0: duncan and both come correct
1: to bruce to die hard (laughs) hard." (laughs) is the name of the show that we're going to talk about duncan (laughs) and we're just going to start there hey everybody it's us again i'm bo uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we are we are going to uh discuss we are back the last time we talked was uh we did the commentary for midnight run of course uh and then the last show we talked about though was uh the um shit the westworld was it as long ago as that was it what did we do it, it did, was twin peaks oh, after wh-
2: westworld? no we thought we thought you know what it was we did westworld and then we thought the ballad of buster Scruggs was going to be a tv show and it turned out to be a right, movie. right and we so did all right
1: but we did have a show about that anyway so it's been a while since we d- we've done a series and, and this is unique also because it's a series on, uh, I keep wanting to say that it's Netflix and it's not. It's it's on Amazon Prime. You're driving me up the wall with this. <laughs> the, the Hulu series, <laughs> Too Stinky to Be Winky. <laughs> no, it's uh, the Amazon Prime series, Too Old to Die Young. Which yep. is, uh, intro- okay, so le- let's give the bona fides of this, and, and here's why we're doing it. First of all, it's, uh, Nicholas Wanding Reffin,
2: mm-hmm. who I have a troubled relationship with. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, one of us has tried to find purchase with this director many times and is, has kind of succeeded on maybe one occasion. The other one, of of us see if you can guess which one it is uh adores him deeply so uh yeah right. <laughs> listeners you may be surprised
1: <laughs> you won't be because look look I, only god forgives i thought was fucking rad
2: it's a great movie i said you'd like it
1: yeah and you were right and i i enjoyed it tremendously but the the prospect of watching what amounts to about i don't know A million hours
2: it's 13 hours over 10 episodes okay yeah
1: when you see it like that though it
2: still sounds sore
1: 13 hours (laughs) like i went from from only god forgives being like i you know what maybe i'm on board to here's everything it's it's like losing your virginity to john holmes or something where it's just like this is too much this is all too much but uh, we'll get into it but i'm having a grand time
2: Ah, that's good to know. Good to know. I if you know what. It feels like it has been an eternity since we recorded. I think it's been maybe in real time terms, about two months. Um when, well no, because we did uh Yeah, Common but Brothers you released recently. that you released oh yeah. Well that that's a valid point, that's a valid point. So we did a show. A massive episode. In fact, if if anything, that has made up for the absence. Yeah, right. (laughs) We did about five hours of recording on the Corn Brothers. A massive retrospective, looking at their entire back catalogue. Myself, yourself, and the phenomenal Doug Tilly. Uh, Um, Amazing Doug Tilly. I love Doug. I I I, I could chat to that guy. In fact, I think there's a. That's why I enjoy doing the roundtables with you, two because at the end of the conversation, even though it's been five hours, I could feel like I could go another couple and I wouldn't care. You know what I mean? I, was, yeah. I just had fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we did that on podcast under the stairs. In terms of Duncan and Boke, I'm correct. It's been about two months since we recorded, although you cleverly bridged that gap by spacing out the two episodes we recorded back to back. So it has not been that long.
1: Right, it hasn't been that long, and so with uh, the the Nicholas Winding Refn show being ten episodes, all
2: released on the same day as well. So we're not doing all. We're not doing the full season in this recording because that's another five hour (laughs) recording. Right, Um, we're we're doing it smartly. I think
1: we're going to do two episodes per show. (laughs)
2: Yep, and and
1: (laughs) because these these episodes are. Directed by Nicholas Winding Refn, like four things happen per episode.
2: Yeah, I was I was thinking about this. I was like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to catching up with Bo. And then after watching the two episodes, I'm like, this is going to be a quick request. I I actually don't think so because there's a lot
1: that's going on here, and, and there's
2: there's a lot of moving there's a lot of moving parts, but those I tend to find are not necessarily at the front of the story. There's a lot of moving parts at the back of the story, which to me has always been the gift of Nicholas Windham and it's why I think a lot of people say he isn't a great storyteller, but is great at visuals, because I don't think they always appreciate all the things that are happening in the background, but that's just my take on it, Bo. I know that you will probably counter that by saying, no, a lot of people are right. <laughs> So. Uh, a lot of people are right,
1: Duncan, about a lot of things and they're <laughs> they're wrong a lot of, about a lot of things and I think that covers everyone.
2: Yep, So yep, we're but, good. We're but, good. <laughs>
1: the, but the other the other bona fide of this show <laughs> is not just Nicholas Wanning who who's directing all this, clearly directing all of this. Mm-hmm. But it is r- co-created by uh Ed Brubaker who oh, yes. we discussed last as one of the West uh Westworld writers yep but what i know him from best and and probably yourself is for a long time he's done uh, a lot of writing in comics and and very much the graphic novel stripe where mm-hmm. they're very mature stories he is very i one could say obsessed with film noir and noir detective stories and so his sensibility married with the visual style of nicholas whining Reffin, i think is something really
2: interesting well here's the here's the little tidbit that a lot of people won't know out there is they are actually very good friends and um about three years ago um were working on a project. I get the feeling that this is spun out of the fact the other project didn't happen. The original project that we're supposed to work work on was the Maniac Cop reboot. Which would have been tremendous. Yeah, and Ed Brubaker was supposed to be not only writing it, but he was also directing it. Hmm. And Nicholas Winden-Refn was producing it. And it went through uh, a lot of trouble. And then the last we'd heard, Larry Cohen actually, I think, had the final. And with him now passing, I don't know whether that means... Because William Lustig was all for it, and I think Larry Cohn wasn't necessarily all for it. Um, and now that he's passed on, I don't know if that clears the road for it. But yeah, you you give me the you give me Wyndham in the background. You give me this guy up front telling narrative, and I always said like Maniac Cop for me. I love that movie. It's goofy and cheesy and fun. But if ever there was a time like to bring that back, this idea of um, you know, the, the public being scared of police brutality or or police brutality being you know, kinda of almost hidden as a way to have revenge killings. I think, you know, now is the perfect time to, to have that as the backdrop. You could completely modernize it, you could update it, you can make it gnarly. And we sadly didn't get it. However, what they did do is say, right, you're not giving us this movie, then we will give you 13 hours. <laughs> TV on Amazon Prime. Right.
1: Yeah. You, you <laughs> wanted you wanted the dessert drink, is what we <laughs> offered you. And now it's time to chug, motherfucker. <laughs> it's a it's a keg full of <laughs> ref and brewbaker magic.
2: Ref and sounds like the best beer ever.
1: Oh yeah. What what are you drinking? Oh, it's a Raffin Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the Ref and Brubecker Vice. <laughs> it's a a Brubeck of Weissen. <laughs> I'm
2: sure that is a beer.
1: <laughs> a Reffenweissen also right, would yeah, probably uh, work
2: better there. A, a Reffenweissen is actually an illegal move in pro wrestling. Um, and I won't oh, tell you who he yeah,
1: Oh, he's got him in a All the
2: humanity. <laughs> this, this man's got a family. Um, so. Oh, he
1: ain't walking right after that Reffenweissen. That's for goddamn sure.
2: Yeah, yep. Reffenweissen.
1: Uh I don't think they use that kind of foul language nor will we, Duncan. No, no, not no, on this no. show. No. Um <laughs> hey, but here's the thing that we we normally do on these shows that a lot of people forget about, including me sometimes, <laughs> is we we talk about movies that we've seen. Obviously, we've seen a bunch of stuff uh since last we spoke on this show, but let's pick one good, one bad and Ooh, and please. uh just talk about what we've been watching. Are are you prepared? If not, I'm happy to go first.
2: Uh, you go first, and I will I will bring up my list of movies, and I will indeed pick one good, and I will pick one bad. Okay, let me talk about
1: the the thing, and this is a slight spoiler oh. because well, it's not really a spoiler because you've already announced what movies are going to be in the '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the summer teapots '90s uh, countdown, uh, which is what it should be called, even though it's not. <laughs> That's not. Nice.
2: Uh the Summer teaputs nineties countdown. Really wish I hadn't spent all that time doing those promotional works and tr- promo. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> we've got a listener request. Uh, so, yeah.
2: <laughs> a little dog named Snuggles. Um,
1: <laughs> 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 but uh, so one of the movies that I recommended for my year, is, and it's a movie that I've I've watched again recently after recommending it. I was like, man, this movie's fucking rad. And then I watched it again just to make sure that I had it right. And I was like, this movie is fucking rad. And it's The Addiction. Uh, oh, the Eagle Ferrara movies. Yes.
2: That is so good. It is,
1: uh, it is one of those movies that every now and again, I'm, I, I don't watch it nearly enough. And every time I do, I'm like, that's one of the best fucking movies. And then I forget about it for like a decade. And then I watch it again. I'm like, that movie is fucking great. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it's a secret I'm keeping for myself somehow. Mm-hmm. And at, at any rate, it is uh, it is a tremendous film. It is a, a kind of a spin on the vampire mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what blows me away about the movie, watching it again, it's all black and white. It, it's done in this very noir style, which is fitting for the show that we're going to be talking about in a bit. Mm-hmm. and it it's it looks beautiful Christopher Walken shows up for about 10 minutes just to be batshit for a second and it's <laughs> great there's this recurring conversation in the movie about who is the victim and mm-hmm. and how the victim is in some way inviting violence and it's interesting and as, as a like a philosophy minor in college there's enough bullshit philosophy in this movie to make me think it's super smart yeah and 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 it kind of is in fairness like it's a little smarter than most most horror films in its examination of not just the idea of vampirism but the idea of kind of violence you know much of the film is about that and i just i i love it uh, I think it's incredible. I think Lily Taylor is fucking gangbusters in the movie. Yeah. And it, it, again, it's just one of those movies that every time I walk away from it, I'm I'm kind of blown away by it. And uh, so it, it's not a terribly well-known movie. It's not a terribly well-seen movie. And so I'm using this platform and, and any other that I get for the rest of my life to say people more people should see The Addiction. Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: I, I can't I can't agree enough. Abel Ferrara is a weird one. He really, really is. I think, I mean, when you're, when you kind of burst onto the scene with a movie like Driller Killer, um, it, people expect things. From, but I think Driller uh, Driller Killer, I think, is a very clever art house movie which people just don't get how clever that movie actually is. And his career is just in and out interesting. You know, what I mean, he's he's done lots of things that I think. Are genuinely like Kings of New York, man. It's a yeah. fucking great movie. But again, a bit a bit, of, a bit of Christopher Walken in there as well. It's weird. It's weird that I think he's like I, I. I always think he gets shortchanged. I think sometimes people lump him in with the wrong crowd, um, but he's he's certainly interesting. I I was lucky. The Addiction. I don't know if it got. I don't know if I put it out over in the states, but they put it out over in the UK last year. I think. So I finally managed to, to open the Blu-ray, uh, which has been lying there since then. i watched it, and the print's amazing, and it rekindled my love for that movie, and I hadn't seen it in the best part of a decade either. And it finished, so I was just like, yep, that's a fucking great movie. Whew.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it, it, it's beautiful, uh, especially if you can't catch it on HD these days. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's incredible. And yeah, man, I'll tell you, you want to treat yourself one day you double feature uh new jack city and king of new york oh nice that is a fucking great double feature
2: that might happen sometime symbol
1: <laughs> yeah, right right and then and then if you want to throw a little dessert on top of that go through it uh yeah ghost dog you just you you <sighs> throw in ghost dog as the cherry on top to be like you know what it's been a long day. I'm kind of actioned out. I want to chill out a little bit and just have Jarmish lay down some beats. Mm-hmm. Have Forrest Whitaker stroll through and be awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm telling you. I, so we, we can make a day of it. <laughs> and, and should. <laughs> what, what about you? What, give me something good you saw.
2: Um, I'm actually going to go slightly not in the direction that I want to. I'm kind of going to uh, lean into a movie which I think um, is is doing kind of well, but not doing great. And I think a lot of the reason behind why it's not necessarily doing great is because it's a remake and uh, people are going in with the wrong opinion for it. But I checked out the new Chelsea play movie and it is a lot of fun. It, yeah. is, a, it is a very, very, very fun. That to me is how you remake that movie, because I don't think the original concepts or ideas are even remotely interesting in 2019. How you make that movie relevant to 2019 is you you give it this idea of not only how shitty people are, <laughs> like, and how we will warp and twist technology, um, and how we will fuck up everything. U- ultimately, if AI ever becomes like to the level where you know, it's living alongside us in a, a functioning capacity. Uh, like, machines will only wipe out man because man has shown them how to do it. That is literally, that's like, right. That's like, okay. That's that the only way that'll ever happen, right? That's that man will be to blame. And it won't be for building them, it'll be for teaching them how to do it, giving them the tools and the weapons and they know how to do it. Um, but there's that, there's that idea, but there's also the idea of the kind of. Uh, Kind of social structure, the disconnect, um, you know, how technology is involved in our lives, smart homes and smart tech in general, laziness, um, and then you fling on top of that Mark Hamill, who weirdly makes Chucky sympathetic without making him sympathetic, he, he, his vocal work on it is absolutely brilliant his voice work is really 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 good just the tiniest inflection and i kind of felt myself feeling a little bit sorry for this murderous puppet um but at the same time it leans into right this is a silly concept and it's a silly movie so we're going to give you silly kills uh, a lot of practical gore we're going to not only reference but we're going to show you a texas chainsaw massacre too which made me smile from ear to ear nice um and we're just going to have fun with it, and that's what that movie does. That movie knows exactly what it wants to be. I just think some audiences are going in expecting it to be the original movie, and I think if you leave that expectation at the door, there is no way you don't come out that movie just enjoying it. It is so much fun for a horror movie this year. It is the perfect it is the perfect summer counterbalance to a lot of the heavier shit we are about to get in the back end of the year. So yeah, I, I was very impressed with it. Um, it's trash. I mean, it's a trashy movie, but you will find few horror movies this year that are just out and out fun and entertaining as as a child's play movie is. I mean, it isn't the movie I would liken it to in terms of the experience I had watching it was last year when I saw Mum and Dad, and I was like, this movie is just nuts. Yeah. It's just nuts and fun. Right? This movie's clearly had a lot more money spent on it, and there's a a better quality of writers in the background and stuff but it's that's it evokes the same spirit of within 5 minutes you know exactly what's happening and this movie does not take long to get into it and continue right through to the very end it really doesn't have much off time at all in a way which makes me happy so and it's funny it's very very there there was a, a good two or three proper laugh out loud moments in the movie uh, which which did you know? It, it kind of caught me by surprise. Like because I've always thought that the Child's Play franchise tries to be funny a lot of the time and fails horribly. <laughs> like,
1: right. This yeah. this
2: one was just fun. Like I, yeah, I, I it is doing well. I I don't need to help this movie. It's doing well, and there's a lot of the horror community that I've taken to it. But the common complaint I see written by people kind of preface in the review before they go to tell how much they like it is that it's, it's you know, it's not the original movie. And that's right, it's not, it's the remake. <laughs> yeah,
1: and also, let's all be real people, the original Child's Play, it's okay.
2: It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an okay movie. The second movie is infinitely better. Yeah. like There are, are really great
1: things about the original Child's Play, but as a... a, a the movie as a whole, I think, is only pretty good. Yeah. It's not a classic. And so the idea of them remaking it is, is sounds fine to me. It's like when they were going to remake Pet Sematary. It's like, great. Remake it. Make it better. And then they didn't. But,
2: yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. As that has already been discussed. Yeah.
1: Sure. We've already talked about that. But so the idea of them remaking Child's Play and it actually being good I'm very excited by that. So I haven't seen yeah. it yet. Just I, for no other reason, I've just been fucking busy as balls lately and haven't mm-hmm. seen, I, I ain't seen nothing, Duncan. Um, I, in fact, I'm finally getting out to, to see the new uh, Spitterman tomorrow.
2: Uh, um, oh yeah. That's, I'm hoping to check that out next week. I, uh, well, we spoke about this before is one of the, in fact, you'll be proud of me, boy. this is something slightly off, off piece, but we can actually talk about things, um, uh, which is good. Cause it's our show. Um, yeah, that's, decided, that is good. I, I decided to make a run to catch up with all these Marvel movies. So I had been doing my due diligence. I think the last time we spoke, I'd seen Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it was like maybe three short. I'd not seen Age of Ultron. I'd not seen Infinity War or um, Captain Marvel before I could technically watch the new one, the the end game. So yeah, I I, I watched Age of Ultron. It it was horrible. We spoke about that. It's not great. it's not great. Um, so I'd, I'd basically seen everything else. I was like, I can finally watch Infinity War now. This yeah. is great. So I watched Infinity War. Not a fan. Didn't hate it. I expected to hate it. Um, didn't really like it either. Um, convenient is what I would call that movie. Okay. Like, like very convenient. But My biggest sticking point, point is the one where people look at me as if I've pissed in their cornflakes um uh, is for for how powerful these stones are um dana seems to get them really quick (laughs) like like within two hours the man's walking around with the power to destroy the universe it just didn't ever feel like there was much of a challenge and the only time he was and I understand he's supposed to be the, you know, he's the only guy that can vote right. Below. Uh the even even the conceit of I may have to kill someone I actually care for to get this stone seemed to resolve quick. Now I don't know if that's because they don't have faith that their audiences will but, but that doesn't make any sense because that that new movie which I've started is over three hours long. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's not as if like people aren't in for the ride. You've already watched like twenty movies to get to this point. Let's flesh this out. Let's give it some. Let's give it some like gravitas. It to me had not a lot of gravitas, and the characters they killed off. Even though I knew who which ones were going, I expected them to was weird as some of the earlier struggles, I found myself being like, you know, we're in this. And then when they kind of got killed off, I was like, "Eh." and that's not because I know they're coming back. I was just like, well, that's just, it felt anticlimactic, funnily enough. Um, Now, what I've read, obviously not seeing the new one is that it course corrects a lot of that. And I'm very much looking forward to that course correction. I will check it in game. I will say I didn't hate Captain Marvel as much as everyone told me I would. I think I've always spoke about this before. I think the goofier and the you know the the less the world is about to be destroyed, these movies are the more fun I can have with them. Mm-hmm. I think when they become far too serious is where I check out. I, I just I, I, I lose my interest um, because the concepts are ridiculous. You know what I mean? That I want to. It's not to say that you can't have ridiculousness and put forward a storyline which you know has like you know, real world stakes, so to speak. But when you do that in every movie, it, it kind of it lessens the value of that, like the, the world ending stakes. And I think that's maybe why the ending this time which is, to, to Infinity War, which is counter to all the endings and all the previous ones, just didn't land with me because I was like that, right? Of course the world's almost destroyed and of course something's gonna, and all those things. Captain Marvel to me is not a great movie at all. But I will say I had quite a bit of fun with it. Sure, um, yeah. it, it's I, I very it's,
1: silly at times, and it's kind oh, of, yeah.
2: hugely, hugely silly. Um, and I think that's why I, I didn't. I, once again, I would never, I would never say it's a great movie. But I enjoyed it. I th- I thought it was I thought mm-hmm. it was okay for what it was It's a popcorn superhero flick. Um, where a lot of silly shit happened. Tonally, it was completely different. To, it was more in line with the Ant Man movies tonally than it was with any of the other ones. Um, and yeah, I thought it was okay. So now I have Endgame to watch before I can go and see Spider Man, and I hope to do that uh, within the next week um and then get out to check spider-man which we've spoken about i actually like the kind of reboot that time around with is it tom tom holland yeah i thought he was great yeah. and then um, you've got the jake gyllenhaal in it
1: i love i love me some gyllenhaal you and i so, both have we're heads. yeah
2: heads. we are we are we are heads. that's what we call ourselves um and the fact that he's in it I, I don't know anything about the character he's playing i don't know anything at all i all i know is Jake Gyllenhaal is in a superhero movie, and I want to see how that looks.
1: Yeah, and in the trailer, like I I don't watch a lot of trailers these days, um, uh, because I just don't I, like I know most of the time I know the movies I want to see, mm-hmm. and and so I just don't watch the trailers because I want to I want to see those movies. I'm gonna see those movies. Let me just see it as unvarnished and experienced as I can have. It's just mm-hmm. just a personal preference. I don't think anybody's wrong for watching a trailer or nothing, but. Uh, to that end, when that first Spider-Man Far From Home trailer landed. And there's that moment where Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio like whips off the helmet or whatever and is like, Get back, I've got this. And then blasts something with his green shit or whatever. Uh, I was like, that looks great. Yep. <laughs> i like the kid inside me just... Seeing Mysterio on on screen was a, a charge for me in in the first place, mm-hmm. and Jake Gyllenhaal looking kind of awesome in the role uh, made me even happier. So I you know I, I I hope he has a good time with the role, and it sounds like he he did.
2: Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what I want. I mean. Gyllenhaal is is a, a very versatile and really interesting actor, and I you know I don't mind. I don't mind actors like that coming across and doing their stint, getting their cash, and then going back to make the probably 20 indie movies that he's going to make after making this one. Um, I, I, I find that interesting. I, I I enjoy seeing that. So, yeah, yeah it was just like, you know, I'm almost all caught up. Yeah, that's uh, very
1: exciting. I mean, I'm curious to hear what you thought of Endgame. And, you know, no spoilers here. Uh, I, I cried like a child. Oh, for fuck's
2: sake. Have you seen Toy Story 4 yet? No i was in a cinema of people crying my wife was like even my daughter didn't cry but my wife was a bubbling mess by the end of that movie it's very good it's very good i you know,
1: for me toy story three ends at the moment that they all lock hands in the inferno the pit of hell that they're in <laughs> of course in to- toy story three i don't even remember how that movie ends i just remember that
2: they give, he gives it. He gives the toys away to instead of like binning them, he gives Whatever. them away to another girl, all so he can keep them all together. I just this
1: doll Auschwitz <laughs> is what I I was in for. Like as soon as that <laughs> happened, I was like, this is the most traumatic thing that has ever happened to most of these children. <laughs> Seeing this unfold on screen like this with their beloved friends Woody and Buzz about to be sucked into the pit of hell. <laughs> it was fantastic. I couldn't have been happier in that moment.
2: <laughs> oh, well, let me kick let me kick off with the bad dad, right? Yes, please. So- Yeah, let's do something bad. So I've been watching, um, I I watch a lot of stuff. You know I watch a lot of stuff. Um, And as a result, I'm doing the 90s things at the moment. That has been relatively painless. I was expecting to revisit some movies and be like, oh, good God almighty, put me down, put me down now. Um, You know, like, just generally try to find an exit as quick as possible. But um, I will tell you, the movie I saw, that I thought was not very good is a movie, which I feel I've been conned into buying because the same arrow that gives me all the pretty things in the world that I want to own. um, Also put out a movie this year, which was apparently mythical. This movie was, you know, this movie was the movie to get your hands on in the ease. It was this very hard to find movie called deadbeat at dawn. Okay. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Have you ever seen this? I haven't seen it. I think it's available on Shudder,
2: I want to say. Oh, most likely. It'll be the Arrow Cut as well. So they've... they've, uh, (laughs) It's directed by Jim Van Bebber, uh, who has directed a lot of music videos by artists I really like, like the Pantera and the Super Joint Ritual, like heavy shit that I'm into. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, And I'd heard that it was like like uber-violent, uber-gritty, and you know that you need to stick around to the end because this big gang fight scene and all the rest. Uh, the big fight scene at the end is maybe worth the price of admission. Maybe. But we're talking about 10 minutes of solid action in a movie which is about an hour and a half long, and that hour and a half to get there is terrible. Really? Oh, the acting, oh, the acting in this movie is fucking horrendous. <laughs> like actually. Horrendous to the point where I'm. Every reviewer reads people are like that. Yes, yeah, so great he managed to pull off this movie with so little. I am all for micro-budget movies, but if you cannot get good actors in your micro-budget movie, then fuck off. I don't care about you know well technical wizardry and all the rest. That does not a good movie make. A good movie needs a good story and good cast. I will forgive bad special effects. You know what I mean? I will forgive, like, effects are just something you use to make a movie better. Um, The core, it has to have good acting, and you know, a good story and script. And this does not have good acting. It does not have a good story. It does not have a good script. And um, it is long. It's not a long movie, but it is long. And then you get to the end you're like, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to find it funny. I'm fairly sure the tone is not funny. Um, But there were some bits that I was laughing at how bad it was, but not in that way we where um it's so bad, it's good. And this director clearly, this director knew he was making shit. Like, he did not think he was going to change the world. And um, on this disc, there is a ton of, well, he almost made this movie, so, but it never finished, so we're going to put it on the disc. And then he almost made this movie, so we're going to put the shots he put on the disc. And then he almost did this movie with this guy, and then that never happened. And I'm starting to see a pattern, and that pattern is this guy. Really struggles to finish movies, and it might be because he's not very good. So yeah, there. Deadbeat at dawn. Do not get conned into buying that. I fucking bought that day one, and it cost me eighteen pounds. And Arrow Video were laughing at me. Sounds a <laughs> <of> bitches.
1: <laughs> you think that's how it went down? They they were just like, oh, we can't believe that dumb Duncan bought this movie.
2: Yep, yep. They they can see the they can see on my account what I buy and like. Uh- dip- we got one sure sure that's how that went a hundred percent no conspiracy or anything that's how it went what about what about you what's your bad
1: oh i will uh i will see your crappy movie <laughs> and i will raise you a movie called the coven uh which let me, let me tell you how this went is this down. from a there couple of years ago yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a bad movie, It's Yeah, <laughs> it's real bad. And I'll tell you how I got suckered into this one, Duncan. It, it didn't even take like a company that's like, oh, they've given me so much joy before. <laughs> it was, hey, I kind of want to watch The Craft, but I've seen The Craft a bunch. This movie looks exactly like The Craft. All right, I'll watch a knockoff of The Craft. That Ooh. was the logic involved.
2: That's bad logic.
1: It's not great logic, but hey, how many movies are like The Craft?
2: One. One. The right,
1: Craft. Right. And there need to be a bunch of movies about teenage witches.
2: Well, you're going to get one, boy. They're remaking The Craft.
1: Yeah, fine. Like, it's either that or watch uh, Charmed or some shit, you know?
2: Yep. Sabrina so, the Teenage Witch on, on Netflix.
1: All right. You're great right. No, you're involved, right. Give yes. No, it. I there have you seen it, and you're right. You're right. That's what I should have done.
2: You <laughs> should have been back and binge watched that. If, if, look,
1: if I could, like, you know, <laughs> Marty McFly myself, like, "Bo,
2: you got to do something about the coven. Like, <laughs> if I could do that, I would. Oh, uh, I just love this idea of you going back in time, but kind of post you watching that movie. So the advice is like completely hindsight, but in hindsight. <laughs> Right, that's how
1: I would, like, delicate sound of thunder my way into destroying the universe. (laughs) Would just be like, I'm gonna go back in time and tell myself not to watch that bad movie, because it wasn't bad enough to be memorable. (laughs) The next thing I know, you know, it's like raining (laughs) possum heads that are constantly screeching.
2: Humanity's unraveling. Yeah, Uh,
1: yeah. right. Trump's the president of America. We were saying. Uh-huh uh what what year is this (laughs) uh all roads lead back to lynch man there is a lynchian moment in the film we are about to talk about or the the show we're about to talk about there's a yeah just just a bet that is yeah like it is the lynchiest thing that ever lynched outside of a lynch (laughs) movie long story short on this coven piece of shit um (laughs) It turns out it ain't about some teenage witches. It's about uh, like, hey, <laughs> oh shit, man. There's uh, some teenage girls that are gonna go into the woods because they heard that ceremonies used to, like, pagan ceremonies used to be held there. And then it turned out that their substitute teacher was the devil and oh, sent God. them there so that they could all be eaten by the woods or whatever. And it's just the worst. Like, nothing exciting ever happens in the movie. Ever, ever, ever. It. It's the worst. Uh, and But let me just... I, I. The reason I bring it up is not only because I needed a bad movie to talk about, and that's the worst thing I've seen in a <laughs> long time. It's to serve as a PSA for people like myself that or don't have access to a time machine like we do, mm-hmm. where I don't find yourself in a position where you got a Marty McFly your way out of a viewing of the coven. Just don't ever watch it ever. And don't, don't let yourself get fooled. Like, Oh my God, that poster or the, the cover of, of this DVD or whatever you you happen to see mm-hmm. looks exactly like the craft. Cause it looks exactly like the craft. And <laughs> Anyway, it's it was awful. I feel I feel bad for having seen it. I'm a worse <laughs> I'm a worse person for having seen that movie.
2: Oh, dude, I should I should not laugh. I should not laugh. But like, yeah, I just love his. I know I like, you went in pure of heart and pure of spirit. Uh, it, right, I wasn't trying to, try to see shit. Right, I just wanted to see something that made me think of the craft, but wasn't the craft. Before before we before we get in here, you mentioned Lynch. Do you think this is? To me, right, this is the first effect. This show we're about to discuss is the first effect of the post-Twin Peaks, the returned influence. This is the first aftershock effect. You know, like, Twin Peaks first comes out and then a couple of years later, television has completely changed and we're doing things that are weird and wonderful and dream sequences and trippy and weird and strange and all the rest. And then TV just continues doing that at a steady pace. And then David Lynch releases... Twin Peaks: The Return, an eighteen episode, over eighteen hour. I think um, memory serves. Yeah, um, not massive, nearly long enough. Yeah, yeah, not nearly not long enough. Uh, massive, like, odyssey of endurance and you know, j- just just physical attention and and enjoyment levels through the roof, and he, he does all that, but you know, solely directs and gets to the end of it and. I said to you at the time when it finished, I was like, I'll be interested to see if TV reacts. Cause TV's already kind of leaned that way already. You know what I mean? It's already went kind of and Lynch has had a huge effect. Well, Lynch and Frost have had a huge effect on, on TV since 1992. There's no way, there's no way to say it hasn't. Um, to me, and I, I'll be, I'll be upfront and honest with you, I've seen the first four episodes. So I'm, i, I okay. I'm, Right, so I've seen the first four episodes, and I can tell you right now that, like, Nicholas Reffin is in no hurry, right, at all. <laughs> so you just need to get used to that. He's in no hurry at all. But to me, this is the first time where I've watched something which feels like, you know, this is a direct influence, where this is like an auteur director. Regardless what you think of Nicholas Reffin, to me, he's an a- auteur, right? An auteur director saying, right, that we now have this long format uh, thing that we can do now in TV, and we can go straight to to streaming channels, or we can you know go straight to like uh, like pay subscription channels where you know if it's Showtime for lunch or whatever. But this to me feels like the the first one which has been like that. Right, let's. Let's give this auteur director a lot of money because there's no way this did not cost a lot of money. Let's give him a lot of money and let's just see what he does. Let him tell one of his stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And Lynch, I can understand why you would do that, right? Wyndon Reffin, I struggle with, not because I don't think he's capable of it. I think he's, I've said before, I think he's amazing. I love, I love his movies. I love his eye. I love his voice. I, I love all that about him. But you know what I mean. He's he's not he's not David Lynch. You know what I mean. And it's not Twin Peaks. He's not returning with something that's beloved. You know, entered the the zeitgeist to the uh, the public and or this, this the the pop culture uh, vernacular or anything like that. This is Nicholas Winding Refn on the biggest platform. Well, I mean, you could argue Netflix, but it's backed by the wealthiest man on the planet. Sure. His platform um, putting out a thirteen-hour movie. Because that's essentially what we're getting here. A 13-hour movie by Nicholas Wendell Reff. And I, I can only think this is a Lynch effect. Because I don't think... See, three years ago, this would not happen. You would not get this. So so the, and, the message and, was...
1: Turns out, you can <laughs> do anything!
2: I think what is it turns out is that like, even if this gets the views to cover the cash... I mean, This is a, like a fucking... A pebble in an ocean, to to um, big big Jeff. You know this does not affect Jeff at all. But I think we're go- I think we're going to get more of this, and I'm excited about that. Whether or not they all land or successful or loved or critically well received, I, I don't care. But yeah, I, I you know if this is if this is what we rather than wait five years for another Wind and Refin movie where he gets everything green lit the way he wants and be able to do it. If You know, someone at Amazon wants to throw millions at him to do a 13-hour movie, let him do it. Uh, (laughs) What's the worst that can happen? So, yeah. That's theory. uh, Yeah, I I don't think that's
1: wrong. And and I think that's as good a a preface as anything to jump into volume one of A Good Day to Die Young. (laughs) No, it's Too Old to Die Young uh volume one a watch
2: pot never boiled. <laughs> yeah uh
1: a shit. penny saved to die young um <laughs> it it is written uh by uh Reffin and brubaker um uh and Reffin is, is accredited here with the script and direction um so duncan let us let us enter the world of uh, los angeles in fact, I, I think what was the, the, the title that they threw out? It was uh North of Hollywood, West of Hell. Yes. Was the but... the name of this assembled as a film.
2: Oh yeah, which like if ever there was a if, if ever there was a, a name to best describe this podcast, that would be it. <laughs> yes.
1: I agree. Uh and I and now I feel like a fool for not having named it that in the first place. So um. So we open on Miles Teller, who looks like he is about 14 years old.
2: <laughs> this guy never ages.
1: I know he's got he's got a baby face, which is great because when he's 50, he's he's still going to have a career. Mm-hmm. But it, when he's doing one of these heavy parts, it, it takes me a minute to remember that he's a grown up. Who can be-
2: oh, what's the matter? Did you lose a friend or oh, no? Oh, somebody hit you. Oh, no. Uh, wait. Did the bad man see something to you? <laughs> like? Oh, no. So he's just hanging
1: out on the hood of his police cruiser with his, his pal, uh, Larry, uh, his partner. Uh-huh. And we see across the street because Refn is doing one of those rotation shots where it is slowly panning around 360 so yeah. that you you see um, Miles Teller, and then you see Larry, and then you see nothing, just plain old street. And then you see uh, Jesus uh, in his car. Mm-hmm. And then Larry gets a picture from uh, his girlfriend, his side piece, Name Amanda, and then Larry starts to say some shit that makes you very uncomfortable with the fact that he's a police officer.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out Larry might not be a nice guy, but no, and
1: and as with every Nicholas Winding uh, ref and film, nobody's a good guy.
2: No, no it is that's, just
1: that's a good point. <laughs> it is just degrees of shittiness, and Larry's really, you know, setting a high bar here
2: because. <laughs> He's having... Right, so Larry, a police officer, keeper of the law, may or may not be, well, we know he is, uh, having an affair, and this woman's become a bit too clingy. So his solution for... Isn't, you know, like, maybe buy her something nice, take her to, like, a Ponderosa, and uh, and then part ways, amicably. Uh, It's not to ghost her, because, I mean, some people do that now in the, the age of technology. His plan involves um, well. Wh- how would you describe this, boy? What would his plan involves?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just good old fashioned murder. It's just murder. Hey, that's yeah, right, yeah. How about uh, I kill her and then and the way he puts it is like, man, things will be better when when I kill her.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't just want to go alone because that's not fun. Right, well,
1: so he he starts just spouting off about how like man women's are the ones in control like men are in control of themselves it's women's who are in control and they're all evil and meanwhile miles tell just like whatever you say sir (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and like and also why getting involved in that crazy shit like when when your partner is like hey you know that lady i'm fucking on the side not my wife but the other lady yeah uh boy she seems like a hot mess And it's like, you know what? Keep it to yourself, brother. Alright, we all got a life to lead, and I don't need that shit. I don't need to worry about your mistakes on top of mine. Yeah. Maybe that's (laughs) just me.
2: No, no, I'm with you on this one. Because there's this idea that... Because what I kind of love about the setup, although, once again, like, time with Nicholas the Refn should teach us that you should never, never fall under the false assumption that one of these guys might be good, but... The assumption is the reason that you know Martin or, or Miles Teller in the case of this one, the reason Martin's being so quiet is it's probably because he's an honest cop and he doesn't want anything to do with this crazy. You know, he's, he's stuck with his partner. His partner, maybe he's just on mouth. Maybe he's just like, opening his mouth and letting his belly rumble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe that maybe that's what's happening here. Um, and as as we will find out as we move in, Martin might not be the, the nicest guy, uh, but Larry certainly isn't a nice guy and bad things happen to not nice guys well uh, the streets of la
1: yeah well so we have our our real uh bad lieutenant moment in this episode where like they after hanging out and and contemplating the murder of his uh lover larry is like hey let's let's go patrol for a while or whatever do cop shit Mm. and they they pull over this uh this young lady and have her uh step out of the car and and you know martin's right there with larry and then um larry is really giving her the creep eye and (laughs) because she's she is a pretty lady like she gets a uh um he gets her license and sends martin to the car to like hey go go run the the license and whatnot but the whole time Martin's just like whatever Larry says he's just like do it do whatever whatever he says you know he's he is in in some ways complicit and we'll see that more directly here in a minute because so Larry's being this incredible creep about like hey so uh you ever date a black guy uh cuz it turns out Larry's black in this story and she's clearly as uncomfortable as you can be in that position. Like somebody in power is is I mean, she's being sexually harassed. There is a hundred percent that's what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And then Martin comes back and hands the ID to Larry, who looks at it and is like, uh-huh. Now I got your address now. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so so uh then he says, Hey, open up your wallet, and she looks to Martin. Like, maybe he's going to be the good guy in this scenario. And Marion's just like, do it. Open your wallet. And she's like, fuck. She opens it up, and it turns out there's like 400 bucks and change in there. Mm -hmm. And Larry takes the money and says, thank you. You know, I guess we're going to consider this a warning. Yeah. Wow, prick. (laughs) And then then he says, before they leave, uh, or before she leaves, he says, see you around. Donna. Oh, man. It's like, oh, this... The fact that he did not pull out his dick at, uh, by the side of the car is a true victory <laughs> for civilization. Donna. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that uh, that's as close to this scene as you're going to come uh, into in another film. And so on their way back to the car after they let her go, Larry gets a call from his side piece, Amanda, again, the the girl who sent the picture. And you see now from her point of view where she is just doing a bunch of blow. Yeah. (laughs) You know, blow, Duncan. The the skag, (laughs) the yayo, the clean burning propane. Um, so she's doing some blow and, uh, there, you know, she's like, when are you going to come over daddy? You know, that kind of shit. And, uh, you know how we talk to each other when we're not on the air, Duncan. And <laughs> then, uh, he says, Hey, how wet are you? And there's a <laughs> great shot where she's just like, ugh, uh, super wet, I guess, you know, like she, she is so clearly playing him. Yeah. But it but it's that kind of thing where she's like she's in it for his money, essentially.
2: I mean, that's what makes Wyndon Reffin like like none of these characters are likable characters, but if you're a connoisseur of noir, which like Wyndon Ref himself has said this is a neon noir, that's how he describes it. Um if you are a connoisseur of noir, no one's nice, no one's a good guy. There is. There are no good guys. Everyone has an agenda, or is just gen. of well, the agenda is that they're it for themselves. It's a way to to make a, a quick buck or fuck over someone to get to the top, and that's that's just the world that Noir is, and that's the world that I think Nicholas Winton is very happy to inhabit. And what I love about this is when you see these characters, and and it's such. I mean we've we've spent we've not even we're not even fifteen minutes into this world and we've been introduced to an authority figure who's clearly drunk on his own power and the the bit that he's got on the side which you know has probably satisfied him for a while or piqued his interest or given him well, his jollies for a little while, but she's now outdone her her usefulness and at the moment that she might jeopardize anything in his world, his solution is to to get rid of her. But on the flip side of that, we now see this character that we know he's already pretty much said, you know, this chick has to go. And you're like, well, I don't want the chick to go. And then you've seen her and seen what she, her game is, her agenda is. And it's very difficult to find purchase of who you're supposed to root for. But once again, that's the core of noir. Like no, the, the further you get into a noir story, the more you realize you're not really supposed to root for any. One character. It's more the experience. Um it sets up like wholly unlikable characters right from the off. Yeah, and the best
1: you can hope for in a story like this is that someone will at least have some sort of code. Usually there's that one character that's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm still gonna do heinous shit, but here's my somewhat reasonable
2: justification for it. Yeah, it's a private detective, generally. You yes. know what I mean? They'll use, like, less than legitimate means to get there, but the, the end causes, usually, at the end they'll solve the crime. Um, so, yeah, like that, that, that's where that's where we are with this one. But, yeah, she's a thoroughly unlikable character as well. And then, you know, but he, like, in comparison to, to him, she's Snow White. He is just, like, the most... And the first thing I thought is, do I have to spend a lot of time with this character because i will find myself he was already rubbing me up the wrong way but and it's almost as if wind and Refn heard me on the wind sure because as
1: they're having this conversation where amanda is like you know sent me a picture daddy oh, and yeah. he, and he's like all right uh you know i'll have to do with my clothes on and stuff because i'm out in public right now and she's like, all right, fine. When are you coming over so I can get some money for some cocaine? Cocaine! <laughs> <and laughs> for some blow. Uh, I'm put, need, It's getting warm in my apartment, Daddy. I need, I need some snow in here.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that rolls off the tongue far too
1: easy for people. Uh, well, look, I, everybody's got to get through college somehow,
2: Duncan. Or 800 <laughs> bull chat.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the premium stuff is where the money's at. Uh, so this guy, Jesus, that we saw briefly earlier, uh, kind of scoping out our heroes question mark, um, just rolls up behind, uh, Larry as he's taking this selfie and says, this is for my mother and just murders Larry.
2: Yep. Like in cold blood, guns him down, bo Like a like a filthy <laughs> dog that he is.
1: Yes, and so Martin fires. He's like, oh my goodness, my partner, spin.
2: <laughs>
1: been... <laughs> He's been shot,
2: and uh, <laughs> it's like a, a cross between like a a nervous like apprentice deputy sheriff and Mickey Mouse for some reason. <laughs> right, yeah, Miles Teller. <laughs>
1: Who has in like the first episode? And he's not in the second episode. Spoilers, but in mm-hmm. the first episode, has what like twelve lines? Yeah, and all of them are just yeses and nos. <laughs> Uh His uh, in typical Nicholas Winding Reffin fashion, the the central character don't say shit.
2: Yeah, he's pillar, He's like what I, I like to call pillar and a Gosling. Um, and this and this one here, like uh, he doesn't like his heroes. Being chatty, which I am all with, I am fine with that. I'm fine with the lack of one liners, the kind of pithy, quick retorts. The you know, this guy, this guy, this guy has a private life and it's private, not Uh,
1: not since uh Kurt Russell and Soldier oh god
2: i love that movie though I I love that movie.
1: what are you gonna do i'm gonna kill them all sir yeah. one of the greatest lines in film history oh uh, i want to watch it again i, I want to watch
2: it again i might watch
1: that later yeah fuck there, the rest. that's a 90s movie man there's a moment in soldier uh not to you know we don't like tangents around here duncan you know <laughs> no, that never never there is that moment in in uh soldier when uh he is squaring off against uh who's it jason lee is that who's yep. in that and yep. the music kind of reaches this crescendo and out of nowhere you hear just a whiff of immigrant song Yep, <laughs> and it's like what the fuck was that about it was awesome But I don't know where that came from. And then, that's it. It's not a recurring theme or anything. It's just for one second in the score, they were like, you know what this needs? Some fucking Zeppelin. (laughs) And that's exactly what happens. And you're like, what? (laughs) What the fuck? Right. I mean, and... Like Thor Ragnarok learned that lesson and was just like, No, we're just gonna play the whole fucking song. Yeah, you it,
2: do the whole the whole song. You, yeah, you play it with loud colors on the screen and it, that's how you do it. And it makes everything better. Like Yeah, yeah. Like Get some gold bloom in the background and you are you are rolling the wrist. Yeah. Boy that
1: Thor Ragnarok's a lot of fun. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh speaking of silly movies. Uh yeah. <laughs> so, Martin, uh, shoots him. Oh, I can't hit him. Uh, and <laughs> shoots like 12 times and just hits bullshit. And yeah, cause he's got a
2: water pistol. Cause not like a real gun. <laughs>
1: right? he's, he's got that Barney Fife, one bullet
2: that he keeps in his pocket <laughs> after the bang. He's just like, Oh no. <laughs> and him um, while he's shooting, obviously he's missing everything. And JK Simmons comes out and tells him not quite in his time, not quite his tempo no okay so bang 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 not bang 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 it's not quay's temple
1: oh man good speaking day. yeah speaking of a, a movie i should watch again mm. oh man uh oh. <laughs> fucking jk simmons in whiplash is one of the greatest performances ever. oh yeah
2: there's a reason he won awards for
1: <laughs> yeah i mean but he's really good at it it's but it's like Frustratingly good. Like when you well, see him, like an actor that good in a role, you're just like, "Fuck you!" You're but I running it for the, everyone.
2: The, like the thing, the thing that always makes me smile about that is like we've talked about this before. It's when people are like oh, that, who knew he had it in them. Everyone that's followed J.K. Simmons' career knew that right. he had that in them because he'd been fucking acting out his skin for decades now. And people, I like, oh, just didn't know I had it in him. Right. Fuck no, off.
1: He's uh, he's a totally different character every movie he's in
2: he's amazing.
1: surprise surprise he's a good actor
2: yeah surprise surprise the guy can act
1: right uh, right he, anyway yeah yeah, yeah so, right so, so
2: my Taylor is is shooting not blanks but he's, he's uh, not hitting what he needs to be hitting
1: right and so he, he he finally radios in the shooting and then he sees the open phone with the picture of the killer
2: yeah because our, our buddy here larry had his phone open he was he was, trying to take a picture of himself to send to amanda but obviously that never happened instead he got a shot of the killer and boy i was like the plot thickens
1: yes but it's about the thinning duncan
2: yeah it does because nicholas when the ref is like ah bet you think you know where no no yeah no you're not getting that so <laughs> we'll get to it in an hour and a half But <laughs> so
1: martin is being interrogated after the shooting and they're like, "Did you see anything? Have you told us everything?" He goes, "Oh, I didn't get a good look at the guy who shot him. I was, I I was in the big boy bathroom."
2: Um, I and... seen so, like, from Lethal Weapon, apparently, like, they trying to try to do the, the, they're trying to do the the, the, they, the, 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 the suspect portrait with the kids, and rigs talking around going about the oh, will put an app out big Bird. right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a
1: look at him, but I think he could have been a muppet.
2: It was Oscar that did it. Oscar did it from his trash can. It was,
1: uh, yeah. That's that's uh, a Sesame Street clue. Yeah, it's Oscar it. in the trash can with yep. the revolver. With the re- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh.
1: Mr. Snuffleupagus. In the <laughs> imagination,
2: oh, like, it, <laughs> the morticians played with, by the count who with, counts how many bullets he takes on. One bullet, two <laughs> <Ooh>, bullet. <laughs> he was he was mortally wounded by the
1: third bullet. <laughs> Here at the top of the one, two, three, four, fifth vertebrae. <laughs> He would have been paralyzed for life had he survived. Ah, ah, ah! <laughs> 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 so, <laughs>
2: oh, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was waiting for the moment where things were going to go a bit crazy, and uh, it happened sooner than I thought. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take long. Um, uh, and then so in the
1: locker room after uh, Miles Teller like, "I didn't see nothing." <laughs> uh. <laughs> He's uh, He whips out the cell phone that he picked up, so it's like, ah, those suckers don't know I know who the killer is. <laughs> Zoinks! <laughs> Zoinks! <laughs> um, so, then we cut to a different movie where an old Mexican dude named Don Ricardo is having his piss bag changed. By He's him. getting his sack emptied. Yeah. And... It's he's in his bedroom and it it's clearly uh if not uh outside of the states, uh somewhere on the border, and it turns out we're in Mexico. Yeah. And it's a, a, a you know, stately Wayne Manor in Mexico where Don Ricardo uh rules uh his his criminal empire. Mm-hmm. And uh Jesus is there. He has fled from LA to Don Ricardo uh while the Heat is looking for him. Mm-hmm. and Don Ricardo uh, tells him this story where he says, I had a dream that your mother was a cat and she visited me and then she cried. And I realized that the tears she were crying, each tear was a dream she had for you that will not be mm-hmm. fulfilled because of the action that you've taken. Yeah. And because you have exacted this vengeance, you like these doors are are closed to you And then he's like, but then she became an angel and I think she gave me the thumbs up for you to be a killer. So
2: we're cool. And (laughs) it's very convenient that she did that.
1: Yeah. She was like,
2: after you killed someone.
1: Yeah. He's totally good. Um, then he says, uh, my, my favorite part of this whole thing is uh, like, he's giving him this whole story in, in Spanish. And he's like, you know, you're, you're a son to me now, not just my nephew, and and the fact that you are here is is a, a positive thing, and and you're part of this family. And uh, Jesus is like, I don't really, okay, I don't understand <laughs> Spanish so good. And and then fajita, yeah. Do you have um? What are they? Salsa, Nuts. Uh, not- <laughs> not the, not the dance the you put the chips in yep like that <laughs> um but anyway he's like uh hey learn some fucking spanish kid yeah and so we we've established that jesus has, has fled to mexico and there's this criminal gang down there that he is part of
2: yeah, so he's he's related he's related in part to this the crime boss, this cartel boss of some description, and we now we obviously know it's in vengeance. He's acted out on the police. We will find out why, soon. He's acted out on the police in vengeance or retaliation for the death of his mother. So we're kind of filling in some blanks here. Um I, I will say, and I know people will complain about this. Slowly filling in some blanks. This whole scene takes about 15 minutes um to play out. And whilst that may be a complete some people, I just drink it in. I think this the setting looks incredible. The the dialogue, the actual the dream that Don Ricardo speaks about, I, like there's so much weight behind the words. And I find myself just getting lost. I, all these Windham reference movies I, I get in TV shows now, uh, I find myself just getting lost in the, the world. I just get drawn in and to hear this kind of old, wise, question mark, this old, wise Mexican spout off shaman-esque sort of prophecies from the dream world, from the spirits beyond. Um, and, you know, trying to take Jesus under his wing and what might come out of that we don't know but he's in hiding and he we, we imagine he can't go back now because i've heard a rumor Bo, and i don't know if this is true or not that in america if you kill a police officer the police will not arrest you they will kill you
1: uh i've but, never yeah. heard such a thing duncan uh <laughs> the police are respectful uh especially if you are uh an ethnic minority Yep. Uh, they will lend a helping hand whenever they can. They are in no way uber militarized and, and terrifying.
2: And now that I've said that you can please return my kitten.
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> now you can stop playing. We're not going to take it 24 seven. Like, like I'm, I'm fucking a Koresh over here. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, and I think that it's really the second episode where it's like, all right, you're in or you're out. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. on this oh, show. Yeah.
2: Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In,
1: in terms of the pacing, because in, in fairness, there's a lot happening in this episode. Like, it, like after we jump from yeah. Mexico for the first time, we go back to Martin's story where he's calling a guy that we don't know yet named Damien. Mm-hmm. Uh, who he ends up meeting with. There are two guys that that he meets with in L.A. Uh, there's uh, Damien, who's the guy in charge, clearly, and his sort of right-hand man, Celestino. Yeah. And they end up meeting, and uh, Martin shows them the picture of uh, the, on the cell phone of, like, hey, this is who killed Larry. Do you know who this is? And, and of course they know. Yeah, they're like, that's Jesus. Uh and it and it sounds like he killed the wrong guy. Yeah. Because you shouldn't have killed Magdalena. You fucked up.
2: Yeah. And then we're like,
1: ah, so Magdalena's the mother. Right. Magdalena is, is Jesus' mother and and Martin uh is like, hey, that was that was Larry <laughs> who shot Magdalena. I didn't do shit. Um <laughs> and <laughs> And then Martin asks for the phone back, and Damien is like, "No, fuck you! I was gonna give you the phone back, and then you lied to me, and now you don't get the phone." Yep, and that's what happens to children, right? Yeah, he. he, he, All right, sir. And (laughs) but and then he tells Martin like, "You've got two choices. You either turn Jesus in, like you either tell your your coworkers you know who this is." Or you need to kill him because you're responsible for all this. Let's not forget, because yeah. you know you're even though you're denying the murder of Magdalena, Larry said you killed her, and and smoke on the street is that you killed her. Yeah. So
2: it's the lesser known Deep Purple song,
1: right? If it walks like a duck and it it kills like a duck, it's a fucking duck and quack quack, Martin, you fucking <laughs> killed Magdalena.
2: In Martin's case, it's a squeaky duck.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I once did a squeaky duck. I lost my virginity (laughs) that way. Um, The old squeaky duck. That's where you put uh, a rubber chicken in someone's asshole.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So many... So many daunting layers of 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 wrong in that story.
1: <laughs> you mean factually? Because I feel like I accurately portrayed what happened in that scene.
2: Uh, no, no, no. Like it, the, the, the the description of what what may what may turn out to be a sexual act called <laughs> the squeaky duck. The squeaky I'm not. Duck. I'm not saying that it it
1: does exist. <laughs> And that <laughs> I've gone to the <laughs> hospital for bitten, it? The
2: feeble, squeezy duck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like somebody comes to the emergency room, they're like, what's going on? Well, he's got a rubber chicken halfway up his asshole. Another squeaky duck accident, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's called that not because of the rubber chicken, it's actually the sound that you make when the chicken comes out. <laughs>
2: on both ends That's uh-huh. from both. Uh-huh. So, uh, uh, pivoting back here like what was kind of interesting about this one is because like martin basically says listen I, I can't set him up you know i, I can't do that so like, well if you can't set him up you gotta kill him
1: right well welcome to the family now because now we have leverage over you
2: yeah yeah so this is why you play a man's game i'm not just saying that because it's miles teller you play a man's game you have to play my man's rules and guess what man's rules ain't fair rules yeah and oh shit
1: all right so after this little tete-a-tete um amanda larry's side piece shows up in the parking garage of the police station where she has tracked martin down Mm -hmm. and she's like i know what you did Larry told me everything so I want I want the money that uh, Larry was setting aside for us and Martin's like I don't know anything about his money and she's like well then we can split it like I'll go 50 50 if you give me my share and (laughs) Martin is just like you know what
2: fuck Larry also larry big mouth on this guy larry he's literally like I- i'm surprised there isn't like a like a, a starbucks barista who served him once it isn't like you know by the way i heard about what you did right <laughs> yeah <from> like <Italina. laughs> he's just like fucking telling everyone everything
1: yeah no no wonder you know larry got fucking got yeah she's
2: get stitches bo. Mm-hmm.
1: Sneeches get rhyme. stitches that's right
2: stitches
1: and uh, so after he's like, fuck Larry, get out of here. She, she She's like, I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to turn you in. I know a lot of people in the police force, too. And he's like, are you trying to blackmail me? Are you seriously fucking blackmailing me, lady? And I don't know if it's better if he gets aggressive or not with that voice. So she's... She's like, yeah, I'm I'm blackmailing you, and you're gonna give me ten thousand dollars. And he's like, make it two. And she's like, all right, two's better than nothing, I guess. And he's like, all right, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then we we cut to Janie, yeah, who is a schoolgirl and is dressed as such, like has kind of a schoolgirl schoolgirl uniform on. And because this is a Nicholas Winding Refn film,
2: she is smoking. Yeah. And Martin pulls up because <laughs> everyone smokes. If there's a woman pushing a pram by, um, there will be smoke coming from the pram. Yes. The baby's got a stogie.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and Tangerine Dream
2: is playing. Of course, of course. Well, let's, let's let's just you you've just sprung the sprung the conversation, right? So we we have a like what can only be described as a fucking tangerine-esque. Like, it, I, did you not, know, if you hadn't known better, and to be honest with you, if you hadn't watched many Nicholas ref and things, his longtime soundtrack collaborator, Cliff Martinez, is back here doing what Cliff Martinez does, which is laying down some moody fucking synths. This The soundtrack to this is fucking incredible. Yeah. And like that coupled with the the... You mentioned Tangerine Dream. We might as well mention Michael Mann. Um, the Michael Mann levels of neon lights in this is—it's just as it's an experience. You're getting this kind of pulsing synth wavy atmosphere juxtaposed alongside this moody neon lighting, and and, and almost every scene, every yes. scene is bathed in a color of some description, and it's fucking gorgeous. It, it's, it it really is beautiful
1: uh the music is it it's <laughs> the best way i can i can describe the 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 film i liken it to is the last act of uh the guest yes you yeah. know it's got that kind of vibe um which is great you know i like a little synth wave i'm i'm down for it and th- this movie is uh our television show is dripping in it
2: there are, there are shades of a uh, michael man's um i feel anyway from what i've seen thus far shades of michael man's debut thief which if you've never seen thief Thief, like legitimately maybe one of the best movies ever fucking made um there are shades of that just hints a little susan's that are, are kind of dabbled through here, which i I hope they explore more into you know it's this guy so this idea of a guy being essentially exhorted to do something because someone has someone something over him um being you know exhorted to do the the thing that he's maybe a little too good at <laughs> if that makes sense um there's a bit of that going on here as well, so yeah it's a big it's a big massive soapy hand job to michael man tangerine dream and all the other things that make cinema amazing yeah like hints of argento in here as well which like gets me harder than the dickens book here here's what
1: i like about revan and and the thing i'm coming around on in a big bad way is i i like the fact that he's a grindhouse director he just mm -hmm. happens to be blessed with a beautiful eye for directing yeah. Grindhouse.
2: Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a he's a Grindhouse director with an art house aesthetic.
1: Yes. But everything that happens is totally awful in Grindhouse.
2: <laughs> yeah. It like, just it always, looks beautiful. Always in every movie. Yeah. He's never done it, he's never done he's never done a happy movie. Like I I can't stress that. Like he's never done anything that is remotely happy. Even Bronson when he tries to be tongue-in-cheek is still about one of the most vile people that's ever it's like still alive in the UK. Yeah, like, it's always nasty shit, uh, but it's always so pretty to look at. It's oh, like, oh, so pretty. So let's
1: tweak up the awfulness here, yep. because as we're with schoolgirl Janie smoking, uh, in front of a chainlink fence, looking cool.
2: She is looking. She's looking a bit too cool for that boy
1: She is, and <laughs> to get her out of that school, Martin pulls up and is like, "Hey, no smoking's allowed." Yeah. <laughs> and so she just smokes more yeah and then it becomes clear very quickly they know each other oh, and she's yeah. like hey you want to get you want me to get in the back seat and that's where she goes and in a very creepy way when she gets in into the cruiser he goes so how was school today yeah and you're just like oh god uh, oh no N- not this and then sure yeah. enough we cut to them post-coital
2: yeah so our our kind of what we will find out is mid 30s uh, we'll find that out very soon when we meet jenny's dad who by the way is a gift that keeps on giving them this holy shit Janie's. man theo <laughs> is the best it's silly God is like like who would have thought like, like every now and again there's a bald one on screen and all like that this is the role you were meant to play forever and it'll always be that role. Um, but yeah, like the, you're you find out that these well, we'll find out that he's in his thirties. He is like he's having sex and dating a sixteen year old girl, and he's a police officer but and I like, you know, remember, we were like, right, so maybe, maybe Martin didn't kill Magdalena. Maybe it was Larry and Larry passed all off and everyone else. Maybe he didn't want to get involved with this side of things. And maybe he's like, maybe he is a good guy, but he's in over his head. And then I see this and I'm like, that. No, this guy's a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. No, he's, he's got awful. Um, and so <laughs> a- after he's fucked this underage girl, uh, she's like, <laughs> Hey, um, I told my dad about you. And he's like, you did what? (laughs) Are you fucking crazy? And (laughs) who else have you fucking told? And (laughs) she's like, nobody. I haven't told anybody else. (laughs) And, and, And then she's like, but he wants you to come over on Friday and like meet him and have dinner and stuff which is a, a a visit I would not do <laughs> oh 100% no I'd be like well
2: I guess this is over which and this is the weird thing about Martin like as a character like we, we're obviously we're, we're finding the comedic side of his lack of dialogue and facial expressions and everything else but The one thing Martin does as a character that I really find interesting, I hope like later on it's it's maybe fleshed out a bit more, is things don't... Martin is very good at being non-plus or non-phased by things. He's got a weird aura of confidence that is not just, well, I'm a policeman. You know, the badge will protect me or anything like that. There's a weird level of confidence with him. Even when... We know there might be danger there. He doesn't act in a way which feels real. Yeah, and I kind of like that. It's the it's once again it's the it's the Ryan Gosling thing. It's the Gosling thing in you know only uh, only God forgives or even Drive to an extent where like these guys are weirdly calm in situations where normal people or anyone else in the the world that they inhabit in would be shitting bricks. You know they they seem to have this. Like, he does the thing that we wouldn't do. He's like, that, okay, dinner on Friday. And you're like, what are you doing? She's 16, you're in your 30s, this is creepy, and then when we see where the dad lives. Right, so
1: let's just go to that dinner, because that's the next scene, and Martin is in this super fancy house.
2: Yeah, palatial with, palace, ball With
1: Janie's dad, Theo, as played <laughs> by William billy baldwin
2: this is fucking great this is fucking great like this man has done more cocaine ball than anyone will ever do
1: right he's the kind of guy that like as he's doing cocaine is like hey we should probably get some more cocaine right guys <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> he is he is coked out of his fucking gourd and he's got this weird tick because of it this weird kind of he's he, kind of yeah he's sneezing and kind of yeah like, it's and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it, no, it is...
1: Like you said, there there comes a time in every Baldwin's life <laughs> when they find the role they were born to play, and for Billy Baldwin, it is Theo in Too Young to Die Hard.
2: Yeah. And yeah for, for, a, for a while, I thought it might be the usual suspects, but this is Trump, the usual suspects.
1: Alright, so here's what happens. <laughs> he, he lets it slip, That, uh, Martin, he was like, so you guys met when Martin was the, uh, first responding officer when Janie's mother died, had an accident is what he says. And Janie being a teenager is like, he, she committed suicide, dad, shut up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to have this argument. he's like, so Martin, what, uh, what about your future? And he's like, with, with your daughter, and he's like, "Fucking no, Martin. I'm talking. I'm. I'm talking about your future as a cop. What are you gonna do?" And he's just like, oh I don't know, sir."
2: <laughs> like it kind of it doubles down on it that he wants to. He wants to be a, He wants to stay being a cop, and you're you're once again. This kind of is like the weird thing about why would you? Your partner's just been fucking gunned down. Why would you want to still be a cop?
1: Yeah. I still don't know that we
2: know the answer to that. Yeah, there's the role. Of course, there will be somewhere, maybe at hour thirteen or something. Maybe a glimpse of an explanation as to why. I also, don't think when the ref knows either or can be bothered. Then that's fine with me. Or yeah, uh, or
1: particularly cares, and that's kind of okay. It's just like you know, this is the world he knows. This is the world that he likes. He wants to stay in this world. Blah. Yeah, blah, he's comfortable.
2: He's comfortable in that world. He like probably likes that level of authority he has in there he is master of his own domain to an extent but you know that's not gonna look where Janie's look look at Janie's lifestyle right sure like we we're juxtaposing like martin's one bed flat um, which has an american flag in the, on the wall in the background and that is it that's his idea of modern art we're juxtaposing that with you know theo's fucking mansion where everything looks like it costs like in fact we will get into that later on he, i think he has a painting which he says costs more than you know martin will ever earn
1: yeah and he's showing off like he's got the art he's got a, a solid gold phone and he's like yep. look at it look, look, fucking solid gold phone <laughs> yeah and he's like yep. and he, he tags it with i mean it doesn't work yeah and it's like no shit it's made of gold and he, then he's like, hey, hey, hey Martin, you want to you wanna go hang out in Janie's
2: room? Now, Bo, before we get here, before we get here, I don't know if you can tell how much I'm smiling just now. There is, we're about to discuss one of the, and we're taking, we're, I'm assuming this is the lynching scene you were on about. Of
1: course it is. It's like Refin was like, uh, yeah, David, I'm thinking of making... <laughs>
2: it's a good reference uh
1: a a scene it's billy baldwin and it's going to be the miles teller yeah and he's just like (laughs) great can they growl at each other
2: i think like you know when they say never go full lynch right i think he goes like i love this scene coming up i do too but i also think Like Lynch wouldn't have done this. I think Lynch would have pulled it by just a little bit, right? And I kind of, I'm so glad that he doesn't. I'm so glad that he commits to the absurdity of what we're about to get, which is one of the most surreal things I've ever fucking seen. And that is post us spending a year discussing twin peaks
1: i i disagree that lynch would have pulled back i think this feels right in lynch's no, it would, it would,
2: the. yeah if, if lynch had directed this the tiger would have been someone dressed up like a tiger <laughs> right it would have right, right. It, it would have been
1: uh the dude from uh people under the stairs everett mcgill yeah dressed and, as a <laughs> as a Siberian tiger just because
2: we've seen Inland Empire we know that you know he's he's not afraid to put people in bunny costumes Um but this is, uh, it is so wonderfully fucking bizarre like yes. so wonderful and this is like see when you were like that the, the second episode is really the where people will stick with the show or leave the show no 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 this scene coming up is where people leave the show. If they're not, if they're not invested, you don't stick with the show after this. You're, I'm, I'm yes. almost hundred percent sure of
1: it. You're probably right. It's just because we're we're both such Lynch fans. Oh, when of course, something I was like it. Happens, <laughs> right. It's like, well, the show just became the most awesome thing I've ever seen for a second. <laughs> All right. So they go into like Theo takes Martin into his daughter's room, oh. and he sits on the bed and starts petting this stuffed tiger. And then he holds the tiger's head in front of his own and then just kind of purrs for a minute. And then he says, uh, he tells Martin, he's like, Hey, have a seat. And so Martin sits down. So he throws this tiger that he's been purring with at Martin and Martin gets in, and is like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and just holds on to it. And then Theo, aka Billy Baldwin, finds another fucking stuffed tiger from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Just because there's stuffed tigers are plenty of. Yeah, there's stuffed animals all over this room. He grabs another one What's and doubling down that she is
2: fucking 60. She's a child.
1: Yeah. And then just starts growling with this tiger. Yeah. And he's like <laughs> then he just suddenly drops the tiger and then puts it in his lap and kind of pets it. Yeah. And it's like, I just figured something out. You know, you know what I want? I want you, Martin. I want your life. And he's like, uh, what? And he's like, do you know what I do, Martin? I run a multi-billion dollar hedge fund and all we do is buy and sell shit all day. And I want the rights to your life. And he's like, uh, I don't think that's how it works and it is incredibly weird and (laughs) then (laughs) then he starts hitting on Martin by basically fucking this tiger in his lab yep and just being like so after your date with my daughter you're fucking tonight maybe you'll stay over huh Martin (laughs) and he's just like uh probably not sir And he's like, (laughs) as soon as he gets shut down, he just kind of chuckles. Yeah. And then is like, all right, we'll have her back by midnight. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, I'm just fucking with you, Mark. I'm just
2: fucking with you. Just bring her back.
1: Yeah. And he's like, don't even bother bringing her home. Just make sure she gets to school on time. And then he does this fucking jive out of the room. Yeah stops in the doorway spins around throws up the peace signs and says i am not a crook oh, that's amazing and then that's... walks out of the scene like i'm done thanks and everybody the, for coming the,
2: and the emmy for best one-off character in a 13 hour 10 episode amazon television series goes to william baldwin Fourth theo and it's the fucking greatest thing ever, ball. It's so weird and so surreal and so bizarre. And, and like, to, do you know how, like, if, if I'm reading a script, right, do you know how comfortable you have to be with the director to do a scene like this? You know what I mean? Like, that's what they say about Lynch, you just have to, you're like, you do that and Lynch barks commands at you and you're like, really and you just and you just trust him and if you trust him what comes out the other end is fucking cinematic gold and that is what is happening here this is televisual gold this is this is committing to the most weird like he's never done a scene well Ian Baldwin will never do another well maybe if he's in the show later on but he will never do another like I have a Fucking stuffed toy, and I will communicate through it. See, I will dry hunt this stuffed toy on Miles Taylor's lap. He's never going to do that again, and I am fine with that, because what we got here is just a slice of weird and wonderful.
1: No, it, it is a tremendous... Like, Billy Baldwin goes for it in a way that I just never would have expected from him and he's incredible he's hilarious it's a wonderful scene and i think you're right it, this is the point that if you if you're not down for this then just get the fuck out of the show <laughs> yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah. this is this is your this is your uh, this is your first lap um of what will be a massive massive race and if you finish this first lap and you're already a bit winded now is the time to sit out. And, and do something else. Do something else with your life. This show will be fine without you. Uh, you know, everything's, everything's good, baby. Also, I want to do a correction. I think I said William Baldwin was in Usual Suspects. Stephen Baldwin that's in Usual Suspects, I think. Yeah. Not I, William Baldwin. Uh, all right. Well, well, that makes sense. That's been plaguing me since we started talking. Uh, and I mentioned that. I was like, I need to, I need to correct that before someone writes an ebook. So know what the listeners are like with their opinions and facts. Ah, oh, fuck. I I just hate them so much. But this uh, is the end. this is this is to me once again. If we have got thirteen hours, the most expensive thirteen hours of Amazon TV of all time, just to have this one scene worth it. Yeah, it,
1: it's a tremendous moment in in filmic history, <laughs> uh, and it made me very happy. So then we because we can't be happy for too long in this show. No, we then cut to Martin, who is in uh, his jeep. With Janie asleep in the passenger seat. Like, they've been out and she's just falling asleep. And he's taking a moment where he's just looking at her. You know, he's mm-hmm. kind of taking her in. And uh, he gets a call from uh, Celestino, who's like, hey, man, uh, you need to meet Damien. He's like, I'm busy right now. He's like, uh, fuck that. I'm right here. And he bangs on the window, waking Janie up, who is mild. She's not, like, crazy freaked out about this, but she's definitely like, what's going on? Yeah and, he's, yeah, and he's like, hey, huh, it's cop stuff. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> so he takes a walk with Celestino to meet Damien. And Damien's like, hey, man, I told you to fucking take care of, of Jesus. And he's like, yeah, yeah, well, huh, I'm gonna. I just haven't yet. I had to do this thing with my girlfriend's dad. It was pretty <laughs> weird.
2: And he also, also says at this point, he thinks he can frame him. Right. And and you know, Damien's like that. No, no, no. That ship sailed. You said you couldn't do that. You are now killing him. That was that was the agreement. We've we've all settled on this. That's what's gonna happen. And uh, you know, obviously we don't want you using your piece. Driver clicks the fingers all of a sudden a gun just because this is the this is america i suppose you just click your fingers and all of a sudden a gun just like material right not
1: just a gun but a, he, it's a clean gun that has no record so yeah it is a yeah. completely anonymous killing machine yes
2: untraceable weapon of death yes uh, <laughs> like it's handed over and they hand it to him and it turns out Martin still isn't. I don't think he understands that he is between a rock and a Damien, um, and Damien ain't fucking around. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. He, not- he's he's like, look, you're basically working for me now, yeah, and and you need to get off your ass and do this thing. And uh, so Martin's like,
2: all right, I'll take care of it. Jeez. <laughs> Before it but before he even gets out, there's a, a slight threat towards little Janie, and then he gets a couple of swift punches to the ribs and to you know just gets roughed up, just softened up a little bit and once again threat to the Janie, Here's the gun, now get the fuck out of my car.
1: Right. You gotta you gotta threaten the underage girlfriend. Ugh. <laughs> oh so so he goes back to the car and uh she she's like, What was that about? And he's like, Nothing uh you want to do some more fucking or something and she's like you know what i'm just gonna call my dad and he's like you're gonna call your dad what are you a fucking child
2: she's
1: like yes right yes i am she gives him the burn of like hey you've been fucking me since i was 16 by the way (laughs) and i'm i'm gonna call my dad and don't don't come after me and don't try to call me again you're Mm -hmm. an asshole and he's like well she really took that for hard and uh, then we cut to a moment where he's hosing out the back of his cruiser because it's filled with vomit and blood. Yep, uh, for no good reason. Like we don't see that scene or anything. It's just like, hey, here's a day in the life of Officer Martin, um, ho- <laughs> Thanks, <I'm... laughs> hosing out his car, and uh, the captain is is looking on here. Yep, Captain uh, Wilcox. Yeah, Captain Wilcox, who is a uh, an older lady. And she's like, uh, hey, I know you've been under a lot of stress and whatnot lately, but are you going? And he's like, What the fuck are you talking about, lady? <laughs> and she says to the memorial, Larry's Memorial, are you going? And he's like, Oh, yeah, uh, sure. Um so then we we leave that to go to Amanda's house, where she and her friend are unsurprisingly doing a lot of cocaine. Mm -hmm. um and martin shows up and amanda is like uh oh great you're here do you have that money that you owe me and he's like get her out of the room if you're gonna (laughs) talk about this and and this is my favorite moment of the scene where the the gal pal leaves for a second and then comes back to get the plate of cocaine yeah (laughs) and amanda is like hey don't do it all yeah and so you kind of know, like, this is a rough dynamic. Like, they're both pretty young women, but they are coked up to their gills mm-hmm. and are not doing well. And so Martin gives her the money, and she counts it up, and she's like, hey, this is seventeen fifty. This isn't even the two grand that you talked me down to. And he's like, well, that's all I had, so, you know, fuck <laughs> off. And... Uh, then she's like alright well hey you want to hook up while you're here you know maybe like go uh, out on a date or something sometime and he's like no <laughs> and then she says well do you want to fuck me and he kind of has a little grin on his face when he's like no <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a real dig like of no you're, you're a nasty lady and uh, anyway I thought that was kind of a funny moment Um, anyway, so then we get to the, the meat of, uh, our story for this episode where Martin is now trying to track down Jesus and he's staking out this place that's run by the the Mexican gang, I guess. Yeah. And so he waits till it's like super late night slash early morning and, and creeps inside with his clean gun. And for some reason, there's just a naked dude. Hanging out inside. Yeah. <laughs> who who bum rushes Martin. Literally bum rushes him, yeah. Yeah, and they, they scuffle for a bit, and Martin ultimately gets him on the ground and shoots him.
2: Yeah. And, and he's a bit shocked by this. This is the first time we see the kind of crack in the armor of Martin where he realizes this is not what he thought he was doing. And now he has killed someone and not the right guy not no, the guy not, that he came not to even kill. close <laughs> so
1: yeah so he's fucked up then we go to this memorial slash poker game uh or Sorry. maybe it's just the table that reminds the, me yeah
2: just the, like yeah it's the table looks like a giant poker table but they're at this memorial and um yeah the 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 are they're, 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 they're remembering larry and a I, I, kind way which we never got to see that Larry Paul. Like no. The only, the, the only side we got to see of Larry is the side that I'm happy is now going into the ground. Um so you know like good runs to bad rubbish. Uh, but they're going to do like this charity whip round um which is kind of nice that they're gonna do that. And at the same time they are they're all going to have like pancakes and waffles and the meal sounds amazing. Yeah, It sounds delicious. I'm like, yeah, give me all that stuff. But that's what Larry would have wanted. And, you know, once again, Martin's kind of standoffish from the rest of it. And Wilcox just like corners him and basically says, listen, I don't know what your plans are, but you know, we think you are detective material. You're on the up. You're, you know, you could go to the top. This is going to be a great move for you. And once again, Martin just seems not like it's it, It's weird because like he's he's just said to Janie's that like, listen, this is this is where I want to be, this is a career that I want to have, and all the rest. And then the first offer of advancement here, which would help him, he's kind of like, uh, and I don't know, is it because he's compromised? Doesn't seem like we don't know well enough to know. Is is it because he's compromised? He doesn't want that extra responsibility, or does he think it'll be used against him? And a you know, a, a worse way of, you know with more power and more responsibility and more access this could be twisted and warped or uh, does he feel like he doesn't deserve it or like what, yeah what i is- don't
1: like his first reaction is like how about flying a helicopter what's yeah, that I'm like like? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like what the fuck are you on about right she's like what the fuck what helicopters what are you talking about he's like i don't know they seem <laughs> cool um and, but yeah, it, it, he, he seems very reluctant for advancement. And, and like I said, I don't think we have uh, a clean answer to that just yet, but yeah. clearly there is something that is holding him back and it's just not detailed at this point and And I don't think it's clear, um, but then he gets a phone call and it's just like, Hey, captain lady, I gotta go. And uh, so he fucks off uh, to go meet Damien who is like, hey, uh, you know this girl? And they've got Amanda uh, handcuffed to uh, like some kind of ballet uh, footrest or something. Yep. It looks like a dance studio or something. And uh, uh, Damien is like, hey, FYI, she sold you out to the Mexicans. So they know who you are, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, why? why did she do that? And Damien's like cocaine. Have you not paid attention to yeah. anything about her? It is she is leading a cocaine-based life, and yeah. <laughs> and they offered her a bunch of cocaine, and then she told them what what they wanted to know.
2: It's like it's like like the criminals are like, who who is the cop here? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, like a uh, super detective. It's <laughs> fucking cocaine. So- so, Damien is like, hey, so now you super work for me. Yeah. Because uh, I've I found this out. I've brought th- this information to you. Oh, by the way, uh, here's a gun. You need to take care of this. Yeah. And I don't, you'd never hear a gunshot or anything. He just kind of exits the building. Mm-mm. And then he sends a text to Janie that is just uh, assumedly after just murdering a woman in cold blood is like, I miss you. And then she sends it back a picture of her just like sitting around, you know, like a picture of just her face. Like, Hey, I guess we're not totally broken up. I'm, you know, I'm emotional because
2: I'm fucking 17 (laughs) and that's it. That's episode one. That is episode one. We get some moody, sims uh, of cliff martinez like kind of just spinning those sins out and uh yeah episode one finishes and um might as well just thoughts on the first because because uh, fyi we ain't returning in the next episode at all to this story we are we are going to uh spend some time with Jesus and his familia. um what did you think i uh, i you know i I think
1: I was still on the fence at the end of episode one. I was like, this seems really, it it seems very Reffin. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. But I'm also really intrigued. I like, I like the fact that all the characters are just total shit bags. And, but I didn't have a character to kind of hang my hat on. Yeah. And, and I think that's what C or not season two, but I think that's what episode two gave me is that character. That's like, I am now totally invested in this because there is one character that every time they're on screen,
2: I'm into it. It it wouldn't by any chance be the High Priestess of Death Bowl, fucking course it is. (laughs) Fucking badass as fuck. She is
1: the closest thing to a supernatural entity. There there comes a point in every viewer's life when they're watching (laughs) Too Broke to Die Rich. (laughs) That... They have to decide: Is this show for me? And we we talked about like okay, so the scene with Billy Baldwin is amazing, and I yeah, can't think a of a right, I, I can't <laughs> I can't think of a single good reason why anyone would leave the show after that. But maybe maybe so. <laughs> However, episode two entitled "The Lovers," uh, you know the 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 vital stats on this, of course, being Nick, Nicholas Winding Refn and Ed Brubaker. Uh, Are really the creative forces behind this, written and directed by um, uh, Wending Revan. So, here's what this whole thing is basically in Spanish, there with with very few exceptions, and at times they can be rather sparse with the subtitles. You know, like this is very much about putting the both the viewer and Jesus a little bit. In in an unfamiliar place. And let's see how this all plays out. Yeah. And so uh, episode two begins with uh, Magdalena. It's Jesus having a dream where his mother Magdalena, the mother he was avenging. If, if you'll recall, Jesus is the dude what shot Larry yep. at the beginning of episode one. And now Jesus has fled to Mexico and he's having this dream where his mother Magdalena is applying lipstick and... And he's telling her how beautiful she is, and I'm pretty sure he wants to fuck her.
2: <laughs> Didn't you, boy?
1: Uh, I mean, she's a pretty lady. And then he wakes up and is like, Did I just have a dream about wanting to fuck my mom? And then we cut to, for me, the star of the show. Oh, yes. Uh, our first look at uh, Yaritza mm. uh, is her name. And she is a lovely young woman strolling through this swank ass house where she walks through said swank house onto a soccer field and immediately I'm like, oh fuck. Now <laughs> you if you're gonna tell me that we're about to see a soccer game filmed by Nicholas Winding Reffin, <laughs> I'm gonna hurl myself out of a window.
2: Well, you know you know like um like when like you see, Mexico. I don't know if you've ever seen Mexican coverage of of any football or any South American coverage of football. It's taken very seriously down there. So much so that when someone scores a goal, the commentator will go, Go You know, we'll scream it for a while,
1: right? Right. Well, be- because it's only going to happen once or twice the
2: entire fucking three hours. <laughs> I don't know. This is we're talking about some of the like Argentina, Brazil, World Cup winners' ball. Um, so, but the thing about it is they shout that goal that goes on and on and on and on forever. Now you know how slow a Nicholas Wind and Refin like story is. If a goal goes in and they shout goal, that's half an hour, <laughs>
1: right? Just a slow bow, like uh-huh. goal. <laughs> <laughs> And you're seeing like everybody in the stands yeah. also in slow motion like checking yeah, their watch. And,
2: yeah, a tracking shot just slowly moving over them. synthwave music pounding in the background. Neon lights playing everywhere. Not that we're saying we're on use filming techniques, but maybe we are. Yeah, oh man.
1: It, it's so good though. Yeah, I mean it's it's really good, but I was really I was terrified that this was about to be what was going to go down.
2: <laughs>
1: and. <laughs> And I was like, man, this may be it. This may be the point I turn on this show.
2: It's like every time I hear anyone, like anytime I do any podcast with any American and they start talking about baseball or football or hockey or anything like that, that's the fear I get. The fear is, oh, no. no
1: I'm at least consistent. I think it's all boring as shit. <laughs> I don't think there is a sport alive outside of gladiatorial games that is worth actual viewing. Mm-hmm. But, you yeah, know. Um I know I'm in the minority. Everybody loves their sports, but fuck, who could care? Uh <laughs> yeah, a bunch of overpaid clowns playing a fucking child's game with each other for millions of dollars. Go fuck can I get yourself. Any, man,
2: anyone? High five.
1: Yeah, I just, like but it's how I feel about the monarchy too, where I'm just like, what the fuck is going on in England? How can how can anybody look at these ultra-rich white people in their fucking castle
0: mm-hmm. like
1: they're in a fairy tale? And not just be like, "Oh, where are the guillotines? Can well, we need to get them out here and just sever their heads and live as a democracy and yeah, not a fucking monarchy?"
2: You're preaching. You're preaching to the choir here. We only ever tried it once in the UK. Uh, Oliver Cromwell he tried it for a little while, and then he tried to rule the country, and he basically became <laughs> he became a king, and they beheaded him. Yeah, and then put the king back in because that's what happens.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's too tempting. Well, yeah, anyway, uh,
2: but. <laughs> Well, it's interesting. Like you were joking, we're laughing about this. Like well. this is essentially a lot of the themes of this particular episode. Is this idea of kind of, on some level, the kind of a, a monarchy-style rulership of a cartel organization, and how it is bequeathed to, you know, the the, the offspring of yeah. of said rulers. So there's a lot of that in here, Bo. So we're on we're on topic. Yeah,
1: surprisingly so, Duncan. Um, for this show uh, in particular, but yeah, it's it, so Yarita uh, as played by Christina Ro- Rodeo. I think is how She's to pronounce really
2: it. Really good. She's really. Oh, we didn't even touch him this last time. The casting's fucking great.
1: Yes, this is all obviously with us talking about the surprise of Billy Baldwin. I mean I think that goes to the casting but uh so you may or may not know um uh Christina Rodeo from uh the movie Miss Bala. Oh, uh, I've never seen that. Uh, is it good? yeah, it is pretty good. And um it's kind of a revenge movie but anyway. Um uh it, it's it is pretty good. It's interesting mm. about kind of the, the American border kind of shit. And it, it's interesting. Also, she will be uh, in the upcoming season of The Terror oh is she in that she certainly is and that is all like i'm already excited to see that and now it's like oh now i'm even more excited because an actress i really like is gonna be uh playing a a role i think she's in every episode too
2: not that i'm saying that that should be it's out in august though i'm just saying we will be finished this i i I don't
1: yeah i don't think that's a terrible idea i i've i'm totally on board if we want to do the terror
2: I Think we should. I the think we should. We should <laughs> supposed to be me saying that.
1: Um, uh, no, it's just it, it's how I like to say it when I'm feeling feisty. <laughs> I t-ra. can't watch the teta. Oh, we were watching a wee bit of the teta.
2: <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> You lucky you got your independence, you show them bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh,
1: you know uh, what was? Uh, I can't remember who said a bunch of slave owners who wanted to be, tree, uh, be yep. free, a bunch <laughs> be of, free. What a bunch of shrinking fucking violets those founding fathers were. Anyway, uh good for them though. Democracy is a great thing. God bless the Greeks. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it was, so let's get back to Yaritza, uh, who is awesome. Yes, yeah, she will be on the terror, and we will do that, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, she's basically sitting at a table that's this big last supper setting where you've got Jesus on one end and then her and then, uh, Don Ricardo, who was the guy that we saw earlier that was like, Hey, you're kind of a son to me telling, uh, Jesus that, Hey, you're more than a nephew. You're, you're a son to me and you seem like a pretty good kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, I'm glad you're here in Mexico. And then, uh, along with him is Miguel, who was the coach of the soccer team up to and including pointing <laughs> a gun at the players, which yeah, I is, don't think they took him serious
2: at uh, first. He's like, that. if you don't win and you don't score goals, I will execute your family. And then I think someone smiles and then the gun comes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't fuck, do not fuck with Miguel. Miguel does not look like a man with whom you want to fuck with, because he's got a gun and he knows how to use it.
1: Yeah, but now I'm on board. I'm like, alright, now this is a soccer movie I can get into. Fuck Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> I want to see, like, you know, Reservoir Beckhams or whatever this is gonna be.
2: Reservoir <laughs> Beckham. <laughs> Stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> Don't... Don't point that
1: soccer ball at my dad.
2: <laughs> Why am I Mr. Pink? <laughs> Why am
1: I Mr. Pink? Oh man, that would be great. So, but all right. So it's they're they're having this soccer practice and and having this breakfast and whatnot. And Don Ricardo, who is older than shit,
2: uh, and he's not well. we know this. He's got a he's got a colostomy bag as well, and he's 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 not well,
1: right? Um. He's not a well a well man at all, and very much resents it being taken to the well every morning. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was a Peter Cook mm-hmm. joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, Don Ricardo is telling Jesus like, "Hey, remember your Spanish sucks." When Jesus starts talking, and we as viewers can understand him, and Wendy Raffin is like, "Fuck you guys, you ain't understanding shit in this this show," and. <laughs> Uh, so Don Ricardo is like fuck that English shit. This is all going to be in Spanish. And so, uh, Don Ricardo ends up telling a story about Magdalena, Jesus's mother, and and Don Ricardo sneaking in to see Pele in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And um, it turns out that they're all celebrating Magdalena's birthday. And then Miguel is uh just sitting at the table, minding his own business, and out of nowhere, Don Ricardo is like. You know she was a good woman, and you're a good kid, Jesus. Not like this shitty asshole over here, (laughs) Miguel. And and Miguel's like, man, what the fuck? (laughs)
2: He's like out of nowhere. Uh huh. Unnecessary fucking snipe at me here.
1: Right. Eat my breakfast. Yeah, it was like the Kevin J O'Connor bit from Deep Impact where he's like, "Hey, where'd that come from?" You know, it was that kind of moment for me that that really made me laugh. And then there's a really uh, a funny bit. I like I like all of this where uh Miguel uh Don Ricardo tells Miguel like, "Hey, go fix the fucking satellite dish. Make yourself useful." And Miguel's like, "Fine." And Ricardo Don Ricardo just looks at him for another minute he's like, "Hey, I said go fix the fucking satellite dish. <laughs> and Miguel goes, "Now?" And Don Ricardo's like, "Of course right now." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good, man. Like Miguel's <laughs> such a shitty little kid in this. Uh but he's a grown man obviously. He's, you know, in line to take over this cartel.
2: Yeah, plus like on on top of that, there's 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 that A bit going on here. I think he thinks that there's that kind of the passing the torch between the old guard and the new guard, right? And um, Don Ricardo understands how relationships have to work in order for things to work, whether that is like a truce with someone you probably don't like or you don't want to be involved with, but you kind of have to do that in order to maintain some level of peace Whereas Miguel is the kind of the the archetype of the you know the son that thinks he you know, if, I, if only I was put in charge I could do better like, yeah. I know better I know what needs to happen and those those very seldom marry up to the same point of view yeah this is all
1: Shakespearean as all Get Out um, yes because what we are going to see not only is Miguel the the sort of petulant child that is about to take over the cartel um so don ricardo is once miguel fucks off he's like hey jesus me you and uh Yaritza should go visit uh your your mother's shrine
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and which is exactly what it is like it's a place inside the house that's a picture of magdalena and candles lit and all kinds of shit around there like uh what's it hey uh, offers up the gun he used to kill, uh, Wyatt. Larry and as, as part of the shrine and stuff. So, anyway, so, and everybody just goes on this weird, like, fucked up spirit journey while they're looking at this shrine mm-hmm. where, uh, Jesus goes back to his jerk fantasy about his mom that we saw <laughs> early on. <laughs> and Yaritza looks like she is whacked out on, on shrooms mm-hmm. and, um, like Don Ricardo is doing his whole thing. And then Yaritza tells Jesus that, uh, that she's basically spoken with, uh, his mother with Magdalena and is like, yes. And she gives you her blessing. Mm-hmm. And like uh, this path that you're on now, she is l- watching over. It's kind of what Ricardo said, where he's like, Hey, some doors close for you when you killed that cop. But, what you know, your mother's going to be proud of you. Yeah and and that's what Yaritza is saying as well. And yeah. but in Yur- ca- in kind of a spooky way.
2: Well yeah, Yarita seems to be able to like commune with the dead. <laughs> yeah. She seems to have this kind of almost a up- there's a bit of the occult about her which I kind of love, because I mean, these cartels and all the rest have that ingrained kind of old world spirituality about them anyway, they don't fear death you know, death is something to be celebrated and respected, and your, you know, your ancestors your loved ones and all the rest they they have a strong thing and her as that, you know as a kind of almost a mouthpiece or facilitator of that, just makes her character a whole lot more interesting, and a whole lot more terrifying later on
1: yeah right there is something borderline supernatural about her yeah and it's it's i i agree with you i'm in the same boat where i'm like that's one of the best things about this show Mm -hmm. Uh, and why i'm totally on board at this point so (laughs) um, miguel comes back and is like hey satellite dish is fine and Don Ricardo, just again, almost in a, like apropos of nothing, is like, God, why are you so, just the fucking worst, Miguel? <laughs> why are, why are you such a piece of shit? <laughs> and he's just like, hey, man, it's just not the, the satellite. I don't know what to tell you. And he's like, fine, fine. And he tells Jesus, like, hey, you're going to go with uh, Miguel, with stupid ass Miguel here. <laughs> to to meet a guy named Cortez. And you're gonna <laughs> Poor Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Miguel shit. But it like we'll get he's he's worth every bit of derision
2: that Don Oh, Robert he's a, he's a piece of shit. He, uh,
1: he is the worst. But anyway, <laughs> so he tells uh Jesus like, hey, this guy's gonna seem like he's a good level dude, but he's not. Don't don't buy into his bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it explains to him kind of the situation that the, the cops in the area basically used to be a rival cartel, mm-hmm. but they became the local police instead. And even though there's this animosity between them because they used to be rivals, uh, that Don Ricardo pays essentially protection to Cortez yeah. because the way he puts it is the, the truce is good for business.
2: Yeah. Because they're they're trafficking sex sex workers as well as drugs, and in order to make sure that their their sex workers are, you know, not roughed up, not attacked, not beaten up, and all the rest, th- this protection money is kind of doing a bit of that. It's making sure that nothing bad happens to the the nothing bad happens to the merchandise, if you know what I mean, Bo. Yeah, right. And and
1: Miguel wants to pick this fight. Like he is on board with just going to war, essentially.
2: What? Yeah, he's, he he wants to go... There's part of him that wants to go to war because it is clear that the police are not upholding their end of the bargain anymore because some of their sex workers have been attacked and the police don't seem to be all that bothered about that.
1: Yes, and, and so let, we'll just head to that meeting because that's our next scene where Miguel and Jesus are hanging out inside this shitty police station with like the, the metal fan spinning it just looks hot and sweaty. Yep. And everything is made of the walls are all, you know, dirt and the desks are all like teachers' desks from 1969. It just it looks like a fucking nightmare. And uh let's say cucarachas mm-hmm uh that's all the spanish i know i apologize uh, it
2: was very good it was authentic thank you
1: um uh, that's what I, I i'm always aiming for is authenticity uh in my in my life really duncan and anyway the uh so cortez the the captain mm-hmm. comes out of the shitter which i also like where he's like <laughs> man i was really taking a rough one in there everybody probably want to <laughs> Light a candle or something.
2: Yeah, you want to give that at least a day. Right.
1: Yeah, it, ain't, it ain't supposed to smell like roses, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he comes out and Miguel, because Miguel's shitty in everything he does, is just hanging out behind his desk. He's like, get the fuck out of my <laughs> my chair, you piece of shit. Dad's right about you, you know. You're a piece of shit, Miguel. <laughs> yeah, go and
2: fix my satellite dish.
1: Yeah. Hey, we got some problem with... with Uh, We're trying to watch The Price is Right. Got a lot of fuzz. Why don't you go on the roof, check that out. I'll talk to Jesus. I've I've never even met Jesus, and he already seems like a better guy than you. But anyway, Miguel does make his way around the desk, and and Cortez sits across from him. And he says uh, that he's got good news. And that Miguel is pissed because some some women, some, some whores that they own, uh, mm-hmm. because that's the kind of cartel we're dealing with, um, a- as well as some of their soldiers, uh, have, have been killed or gone missing. And what Cortez says is the good news he has is that they know that all of this was from a single vigilante. It wasn't a rival gang or anything like that. And uh, Miguel pays him their protection money but says i'm giving you a thousand less every week until the vigilante is brought to us for justice Mm -hmm. and things are getting tense
2: (laughs) That's an understatement of the year where
1: (laughs) but it's very clear in this scene like miguel is just poking at him to start some shit
2: yeah, but he doesn't want to be the guy to break the truce. He wants to see if Cortez will do it first, but he certainly knows that if Cortez does do it, then the war is on. Um, and he wants to find out who this vigilante is, who has the greatest fucking name for a vigilante ever. Like, I, I mean, fuck fuck, Batman is a name. We don't need that. Um, the vigilante in this episode is Bo. Can you remember the name? I, I don't remember the name. What was the <sighs> name? It's say uh,
1: the high priestess of death. Oh, I got you. Okay, I didn't make the connection that this is the same person they were talking. Is this oh, okay. is the
2: same person? So that the high priestess of death has been uh, liberating <laughs> um, sex workers,
1: getting uh, them out of
2: dodge. Okay, and that's that's where like the reveal at the end of this episode becomes tantalizingly interesting because um, there there's a snake in my boot, Bo. Yeah, Thanks, you that, I
1: do know what you mean, and you should get that snake out. That's terrible. <laughs> but, oh, okay, so that makes that makes a lot more sense. Like, I I figured that's what she was doing. I hadn't connected her to the vigilante yet, so yeah. I'm just stupid. Um, Okay, so, and I'm also, in fairness, like, I'm taking notes constantly as I'm watching this. So yeah, every you now and, and then I yeah. some shit. Yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. <laughs> but, uh, but that's important, and I, I feel dumb for missing that. So, anyway... But as, as things are heating up between them, uh, Cortez starts uh, fucking with Miguel about the soccer game
0: mm-hmm. that
1: they're about to play, and that's what Miguel was training his uh, his men for was this this friendly in quotes soccer game that uh, happens between uh, Miguel and Don Ricardo's cartel and and these cops, mm-hmm. and the cop is like, "Hey, look, we are we're gonna win." And, in, you know, it, for the first time ever, we've never won before, but we are totally winning this game. And if you want, we can settle all this on the field and we can double the bet. And he's like, uh, yeah, 100% we can double the bet. And uh, Cortez is like, you know, smugly happy about this, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, they drink to to celebrate the deal. Like Cortez spits in his hand and offers it to Miguel, and Miguel is like, "Fuck that! I'm
2: not touching your spitty hand. That's gross." Plus, I didn't hear the I didn't hear the sink or the tap on in that toilet when you came out. Did you even wash your hands? Almost certainly not.
1: No. Why on <laughs> earth
2: would you? <ya? laughs> the shitty spitty hand. I
1: don't want that. Yeah, right. I don't need your shitty spitty hand. He said, and. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, uh, the, to seal the deal, like, uh, Cortez is like, well, if we're not going to do that, what, what should we use? And he's like, how about uh good old fashioned cocaine and <laughs> booze? And, and, uh, it, there's a great moment where it's, the camera is kind of panning toward Jesus at this mm-hmm. point. And Miguel is like, are you sure you don't want some cocaine? And Cortez says, no, but you know what? Leave it out. Where it was like, oh, he's totally about to do some cocaine. It's just like, all right, I'm going to wait till no one's really looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then they introduce, uh, Miguel introduces Cortez to Jesus. And Cortez says, like, I knew your mom. I actually, we grew up together. I liked her very much. And uh, then he says, so, so are you going to play soccer? And Jesus is like, no, soccer is <laughs> bullshit. And also,
2: if you don't score, Miguel will shoot you. <laughs> right. And just like,
1: it's a terrible sport. And no, I'm not going to play. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then that's, that's kind of enough of that. Like everything's we we've set up all we need to set up here as far as uh, the rivalry between these two. And then we cut to a moment where, Miguel and his buddies are just out in the desert shooting automatic weapons for, for good times. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is just leaning against a, a tree like you do in a Nicholas Windy Refn movie, <laughs> looking cool and bored. And uh, Miguel's kind of right hand man, a guy named Gato, says, you know, we should probably just fucking kill Cortez. I mean, he's probably behind all this bullshit anyway. All you know, with all the women and all the men were losing. So he's just not owning up to it. So why don't we just fucking get rid of him and his men, and then
2: we're solid. Yeah, And Miguel doesn't seem too keen on that. Like that doesn't make like he weirdly wants Cortez to make a move in order to justify the war. He just doesn't want to go out and do it straight away. So that's not what his dad wants. You know what I mean? Right. And then and then shitty right hat man makes makes a makes an observation to be honest but it's an observation we as viewers are making that you know don ricardo probably isn't going to be around all that much longer
1: right and there's an indication of course here that you know uh perhaps don ricardo might be grooming jesus to step into that role yeah uh, because he, there's a lot of, like, here's who Cortez is, and I want you to pay attention to this, and, you know, trying to kind of get him up to speed. Yes. And so then we, oh man, we go to Yaritza, who yep. is just out in the middle of the desert, like you do a, in a Nicholas Wandel Reffin film. <laughs> and she goes to a big rock which contains the names of all the Wolverines who gave their life in the invasion of America. Mm-hmm. Um, no it's not that it's in no. instead a shrine out in the middle of the desert to the high priestess of death
2: yeah
1: and
0: bow, re, bow, re, bow.
1: it's people who have come <laughs> out and like left gifts to the high priestess of death and Yariza leaves a gift of her own which is a bullet
2: <laughs> so fucking badass
1: right and that's the whole scene it's just like this this hot chick <laughs> out in the middle of the desert leaving a bullet as a as a sort of <laughs> offering to the high priestess of death, and that's all you need for this scene. Yeah, like, be the tiger, boy.
2: Be the tiger. <laughs> oh, it's
1: so good. But then, uh, just to prove how Nicholas Winding Refn this show is, uh, there's one line to sum up the next scene,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the the scene itself goes on for about three and a half minutes. Yeah. Which is, Miguel and Gato enjoy some horrors. Yeah. <laughs> Probably what
2: was in the script.
1: Yeah. Um. It's just long, slow shots of them and women who look incredibly bored. Yeah. Uh, You've got to assume
2: it's their sex workers.
1: Yes. They they are all sex workers. Some, I'm sure not by choice. No. and And Miguel and his dudes just Enjoying them as they see fit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not too shocking. We'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) So we then go to the the game uh, that we've been talking about in this episode, the soccer game between uh, Don Ricardo's clan and uh, Cortez and his men. And we start with Miguel and Yarita and Don Ricardo all watching the game. And uh, Don Ricardo is saying that what's important about this is that they play a clean game.
2: Yeah, of course. That
1: it is it is the one day out of the year (laughs) that they're not trying to fuck each other over or looking for the angles. They, they, In a lot of ways, it's the day that proves the truce can work. Yeah. So that, hey, we're going to come together on this day and we're going to do this thing and nobody's going to fuck with it and nobody's going to try to play the angles. We're just going to have a day. Except they still don't like each other as, as proven when Cortez comes around to pay his respects. Uh, Jesus of course doesn't say a fucking word to him because he's a Nicholas winning ref character (laughs) (laughs) and, and a protagonist of sorts and therefore does not speak unless, you know, you're putting the the torture to him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but Cortez, uh, like shakes Don Ricardo's hand and is telling him all about, you know, how, how, glad he is that they're friends and how how the friendship has continued and yada yada and then when he fucks off there's a big show of Don Ricardo just like wiping the filth from his hand yeah (laughs) after shaking like nobody in the like in this way Miguel is the apple that doesn't fall far from the tree and not wanting to shake his his awful hand yeah but uh, anyway so then Don Ricardo has Jesus help him with his colostomy bag mm-hmm. and in this kind of gross scene of the don saying like oh well we had a nurse here that used to help me with this but Yaritza scared her away Yep, and, or did she or yeah or did she uh but so she tell uh, he don ricardo nail tells the story of how he met Yaritza, mm-hmm. which was again just some supernatural bullshit (laughs) where he is out in the desert and he sees her walking alone out there where she appeared basically out of nowhere. And, and then he's like, well, I didn't know who she was, but when I got close to her, she smelled like my sister. And Mm -hmm. when she speaks, I sometimes hear Magdalena speaking. And Jesus is like, all right, man.
2: <laughs> or maybe she's hot. That could be the other thing. <laughs> or Maybe my Spanish isn't great. Did you just see as my mother? What?
1: Right. Like it, it, again, it's this really creepy thing where it seems like everybody kind of wanted to fuck Magdalena.
2: Well, yeah, we'll get, well, yeah, we we'll get more information on that though. So,
1: yeah. Hmm. So, <laughs> Anyway, then we go to a dinner where Don Ricardo keeps nodding off. (laughs) We've all been there, bro. Yeah, just he's the old relative that's just like, and then when I was in World War II. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) And... Somebody starts to eat and Miguel is like, "Hey, the fuck are you doing? You don't eat until Don Miguel says or Don Ricardo says so." Mm-hmm. And uh he's like, "All right, but this old man is just sleeping at the table. We're all waiting to eat. And every now and again he wakes up and he's telling the same story about seeing Pele." Yeah. And then there's a rare compliment from Don Ricardo in Miguel's direction where he says, I'm proud of you for playing the game. It turns out that they lost, by the way. Mm-hmm. But he's he tells them that he's proud because he played the game. And he tells Miguel not to feel bad just for playing. Because sometimes that's what you do. You just play the game. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. And then he fucking
2: dies. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. He dies with a. A compliment which will change Miguel and put him on the straight and narrow, thus obeying the tenuous strings that his father managed to drag together to maintain peace. Of Obviously. course. Of course, because this is Nicholas winden Ref and he likes to put a positive spin after death. Yes.
1: Uh except none of that happens, and instead <laughs> um Jesus is like, Yeah, he's he's fucking dead here, man. And he leaves the table. And Miguel is like, Where are you going? Where are you going? And then chases him down and just beats the shit out of Jesus. Oh yeah. Who, who does not fight back, makes a show of like I'm not, I'm not fighting back. My arms are up. You can hit me, and I'm not throwing a punch back. I'm I just mean, saying I would
2: have thrown, thrown a punch back.
1: For shitty Miguel? Yes. Yeah.
2: Well not yeah. two?
1: you should have just like uh just pillowed him
2: in his sleep like <laughs> RP McMurphy. It should have just highlandered him, just taking his head off. And yeah, just accepted the quickening and become the factual leader of the family. Hey, had just said there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, so, so Miguel is now the Don. We we cut to the the uh, a funeral of sorts for uh, Don Ricardo who is on display, and people are filtering in to see the body, but really it's to pay respects to Miguel, yeah. who is the new Don
2: yeah the king is dead long live the king
1: right and it, there, it's a great shot this is one of those moments where i'm like man for all the times i i feel like wendy Reffin just gets involved into in some like a level naval gazing yeah this shot of like jesus at his right hand and yarita on his left as he kind is of- accepting you know the these uh uh well wishes from the mourners is really cool it's a yeah. really cool shot um oh man so beautiful
2: yeah didn't notice what he's doing both
1: yeah i mean again he's kind of got a little bit of Jan de bon in him where it's yes. like he's a perfect <laughs> cinematographer and sometimes uh, he's a great director but he's a better cinematographer than a director hmm um. Although I'm I'm changing my tune on on winding up a little bit. You're slowly, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm coming just around. Waiting, I'm coming I'm just
2: around. waiting for the time that I like we start one these calls and you go. You know, I went back and watched that Neon Demon. That is an amazing film. Uh, yes, Neon yeah, yeah, Demon's all I right. Said.
1: Um, I didn't think it was awful. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what what's gonna do me because I haven't watched the third episode yet, but I know that John Hawk shows up. Oh yes, and and that's the point where I'm gonna be on board because I love him yes he's very so, good
2: in that as well so. so it
1: was unsurprising he's great in everything as mm-hmm. it happens but anyway so um <laughs> now we have uh, cortez rolling up on miguel mm-hmm. and is like hey uh you know i just wanted to say i wish you well uh, i'm so sorry about this you know i just hope that the friendship that i shared with your father that that can continue and Miguel just doesn't say a goddamn thing. He is. No.
2: Doesn't need to say anything at all, Bob. Well, you know what they say? If you don't have anything nice to see, don't say anything at all.
1: Um, they also say, if you want to preserve a truce, you gotta give them the juice. And...
2: <laughs> OG Simpsons here for some yeah, reason. I think so. <laughs> but,
1: but, yeah, I mean, like, Cortez is just like, all right, uh, I can see you're busy, so I guess I'll see you later, maybe?
0: maybe.
2: <laughs> and Miguel maybe. just
1: stares him down, and he's just like, all right, I'm going to go. And, by the way, uh, it's a lovely ceremony, and the food was delicious.
2: Yeah, the, the, everyone try the volvons. They were particularly nice.
1: Yeah, I don't know where you got the charcuterie from, but I, I need... Now is not the time, but I would like to know later.
2: Yeah, yeah. G- give me the details to your care.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, at the funeral of your father and and the point where clearly our relationship is, is going to change forever. <laughs> yeah, it's about to end. <laughs> yes. So after after the ceremony, Yaritza <laughs> and Jesus are, are having a chat, kind of like outside on a patio as other people are milling around and, and having drinks and food and stuff. And Jesus asks, like, hey, they're having this big three-day party. What is this all about? Mm -hmm. And Yaritza says, well, it's to mourn the death of the old dawn and to celebrate the rise of this new dawn. And he says, well, why is it three days? And she says, because she's awesome, um, it's for our souls and also to see what kind of king we have now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and that's it and she just like leaves it at that because that's how Yurita rolls <laughs> where she's just fucking amazing
2: she's, she just says ominous <laughs> shit and lets it lie yeah Jesus hey, is like that did not answer my question why three days right but like hey, a day s- and a half for the old one and a day and a half for the new one what was it doing here they're the perfect couple because Jesus doesn't say shit
1: either no. so she can just drop you know, some eggs of knowledge like that on him, and he'll just sit with it for about a day and a half before he speaks again.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I have already reached my quota of five words today, so we'll see if uh, we'll see we'll see what we'll, <laughs> what we'll come up with tomorrow. Yeah,
1: you know what? You're never going to hear Hey Sue say, "Hey, what's on TV tonight?" <laughs> Those words have never come out of his mouth. <laughs> anyway so next we go to you know back to our our sex worker station Mm -hmm. where the tangerine dream has turned into a tangerine nightmare
2: oh nice Nice.
1: well yeah that's the professionalism you can expect out of a show like this (laughs) and miguel pulls uh just a random girl on stage and The thing that's both cool and terrifying about this scene is you don't hear any of the dialogue, you just hear the music and see Miguel standing beside this girl in the spotlight on this shitty stage explaining something to the crowd who then get up and begin loosening their belts. Yeah. And I think, uh, (laughs) I hear a train
2: coming. (laughs) Yeah. It's coming around the bend. Yeah. Coming being the right word. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Like this
1: girl is about to be in for it. And then Miguel goes back to sit down with Yaritza. He's not worried about like being involved, he just decided randomly to ruin someone's life. Yeah. And then he tells uh, Yaritza, hey, uh, once these guys are done, we're going to sell her to a gang in the next town. And uh, you know what that means. And yes. what it means is that Yaritza is going to be in charge of taking this girl and getting her to this other gang.
2: Yeah, yeah. But once again, you know, in the back of... Well, it hasn't been fully revealed yet, but uh, he may have picked the wrong person for this job. Some or the Or the most right person. Well, yeah, in my eyes, the best possible person for not only this woman, but for the viewer's soul. Yes. From Miguel's perspective, maybe not the best person if the desired outcome is what you wanted the desired outcome to, to be. Unless he knows. I don't know. I don't think he does. I think I, he's ambiguous to all.
1: Yes. And, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't know or really care that much because he thinks this is all Cortez. Yeah. But anyway, so Yaritza takes this girl to the middle of nowhere to meet with some dudes in a van mm-hmm. and, and in fairness, they're pretty friendly about the whole thing. They're just like, Hey, nice to see you. Hey, where's the girl? Uh, and here it's just like, she's in the back of the car and it's two dudes. And one of them goes to the back of the car and gets the girl out. And he says, come on, sweetie. And I like the fact that he calls her sweetie. That seems nice. <laughs> and then he puts her in the back of the van with the words, Welcome to your new home. Oh, no. Ugh. At which point, uh, Yuritsa pulls out a gun and murders everyone but the girl.
2: Yeah, Yuritsa bathed in a red light, because once again, Nicholas Windenreffen, wearing like her get-up, which is this, we've not talked about her outfit, which is this awesome jacket which has... I, I want to say it's tigers, and once again, be the tiger. I think it's, like, embroidered tigers on the back of this.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, Hang on. I'll tell you exactly, but keep going.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's okay, embroidered work, but the jacket itself is like not like a, a long jacket. It's almost like a matador's jacket, but it's also leather and badass. And the way it lies at the top, you can see the guns, like, in the back of our... In the back of her pants, basically, or trousers, if you're Scottish. Um, and that's, once again, what makes her infinitely fucking badass is she's dressed like, she's dressed almost a little bit like a kind of, like a modern uptake of the El Mariachi um, from the, you know, the Robert Rodriguez sort of world. Um she has this kind of matador-esque look about her, but just like a biker matador. <laughs> that's such a thing is now. Um, that's her style. That's the style for 2019 is biker matador. Um, and I'm patenting it right now. So it's, everyone...
1: Yeah, just to be clear, it is actually a, a bunch of uh, what appear to be flowers.
2: Oh, right. So uh, no... With right.
1: eyeballs blooming from them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So even scarier, that's good.
1: Yeah, with uh, a skull at the center.
2: Ah right, right, right. I don't know what I'm thinking of then. But yeah, so yeah, she's yeah, she's got to like once again an upplay into what we're about here because yeah, she just murders she murders everyone except the girl.
1: Yes, and Oh, it's so good. And mm-hmm. anyway, um interestingly, we see and in in the next scene there's the, the, the scene where Miguel is against this background of roses um, that looks very much like the back of Yaritza's jacket. Yes. Anyway, but Yaritza, uh then takes the girl who was about to be handed over to this gang out of the back of, uh, uh, of the van. And the girl says, um, why are you helping me? Who are you? And Yaritsa, I'm Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Batman. Um, No, what she says is, I'm the high
2: priestess of death. And Duncan ejaculates in his pants. (laughs) It's pretty outstanding. I mean, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, She's the fabled high priestess of death who's currently working against uh, Don Ricardo and Don Miguel's interests as well as Don Cortez or whatever he's gonna be called. Um she's the one that's been doing all this shit. She's been freeing women. Yeah. From the tyranny of men.
1: Yeah, she is just on her own, you know, path of vengeance, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, yeah. like please continue. <laughs>
2: um as you were. Yeah.
1: As you were yeah, it's a please continue to murder the fuck out of uh you know human traffickers everywhere <laughs> and so we, then we cut to miguel in front of this wall of roses or whatever and he's like uh hey uh you know I, I was always real pissed at you jesus uh because of how my dad kept telling me i was a piece of shit compared to you <laughs> you know about
2: to fix the satellite
1: right where were you when the satellite dish <laughs> needed fixing that's what I ask. And <laughs> uh and he's like, so are, do you really want this? Like, do you do you want us to truly be brothers? And uh Jesus, uh talkative as always, gives him a subtle nod. And then he's like, Alright, well, I'll have to prepare you for war then. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which means, Duncan, you just I guess go to a shower stall <laughs> and kind of jerk off while somebody covers you
2: in cocaine. Yeah, the, the, well, this is to me, this scene looked like uh, it's like a baptism, isn't it? So it, like well, completely a baptism in cocaine,
1: but I couldn't tell if he was like, I for at first I was like, is he giving himself a tattoo? I <laughs> and then I think it was a tattoo of love.
2: <laughs> Which is what I'm calling jerking off from now on. Yeah, the tattoo of love. <laughs> the tattoo of
1: love. going <laughs> to tattoo my chest with my love. Oh, fuck no. Um, <laughs> if, I <get> right <laughs> arc, um... if I get the right arc.
2: If I get the right arc. Pick up the right piece. Right, right. <laughs> finally, finally, we found a good use for trigonometry. Um, <laughs> it, but it's it's fucking crazy, man. Like, it,
1: like uh, Miguel is rubbing cocaine all over Jesus. Yeah, and then there is kind of an embrace that suggests, like, are
2: they about to fuck? That's a, a hypersexual episode, in fairness.
1: Yeah, I mean. I have no idea uh what is going on here other than hey you're doing a bunch of blow you're both like beautiful young people. All right, mm-hmm. and fuck I guess. I mean
0: why Those, not?
2: Thought, like I'm not an expert on drugs, but I thought coke was supposed to have the reverse effect. <laughs> like,
1: it, yeah, that... yes, after after a time, yes. You you cannot continue to uh to fucking. Yeah. Right, right. But up front, <laughs> up front it's great. <laughs> over finally, time not so much
2: finally we're getting to the heart of Bo's problems <laughs>
1: yeah too much cocaine dick uh, that's my problem
2: <laughs> and <laughs> the Bo runs no story cocaine dick
1: <laughs>
2: too coked to
1: die hard <laughs>
2: oh oh yeah so yeah so there's this kind of like homoerotic scene once again it's bathed this time bathed in a blue light because why not yeah right that
1: that probably means something everything's either in red or blue or blue things behind red or vice versa so Mm -hmm. uh but it's all you know neon noir is that what he called it Mm-hmm. That's uh, what we call it,
2: Neon Noir, which I love. Um,
1: anyway, so the the episode ends, Duncan, with Miguel and his gang having rounded up the entire uh, run of the show Breaking Bad <laughs> in the desert where they have them <laughs> just tied up and kneeling down.
2: Yeah. It's a big long line of people as well.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a substantial line of people, and and it's just Jesus walking down this line of people, shooting them in the fucking face, mm-hmm. uh, while they very quickly come to terms with their soon to be death. Yeah, and it we stop at Cortez. Jesus aims the gun, and we cut to black. Yeah. So we don't know really what if if Jesus has in fact killed Cortez. That's certainly the implication, but you know we shall see. Yeah. Um. But that's it. That is our first two episodes of uh, Too Old to Die Young. Duncan, as a fan of the the Nicholas Winding Refn, more so than uh, per, perhaps myself, uh only these two two episodes i know you've watched a little bit further but taking only these two episodes into account uh wh- wh- how are you feeling what do you
2: think Oh, i'm totally on board i'm like absolutely 100% on board i i understand some of the criticisms about you know pacing um and i i can see where people are going with that yes he does enjoy to labour a point, he does enjoy to labour a shot as well. He has a very visual eye, and sometimes the you know the the crafting of said shot and the the almost the the shoe gazing element of looking at that shot sometimes overrides the content of that shot. But you have thus far in the first two episodes given me two. Really, really interesting adjacent stories, which are you know linked by like Jesus as a character, and I, I am I am into both of them. I think both of them are really, really, really interesting. Whether or, or, or not we're talking about you know Miles Teller as and what is going to happen with him as a character and ultimately his role as you know he has to bring down. Jesus, and now we're seeing that in the interim, Jesus is basically being groomed to be this ultimate badass. So we're seeing it from his perspective. The one thing we didn't touch on, which is probably worth, like, kind of leaning into here is it's more than just implied that Jesus wasn't just Don Ricardo's nephew. He was actually Don Ricardo's son. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which once again is incest, which once again is weird. Like so he is the half brother of Miguel. And does that mean potentially he has a blood right claim to the, the throne? Will he eventually overthrow Miguel or will he be Miguel's like right hand of justice? Um like vanquishing his enemies. Not only is he now declared war at the police in America. He's now declared war at the police in Mexico. So this is going to be super interesting. This guy has no fear, essentially. He is ultimately fearless. So he's like, if you're pivoting our two kind of main protagonists, quote-unquote, thus far, both of them are incredibly confident people, you know what I mean, they're incredibly stoic, but also you get the feeling that both of them are incredibly capable as well, so it will be interesting to see how it plays out. And what's not to love here, like, gorgeous shots, really interesting characters, great acting, amazing score. Yes, it did take what will be ostensibly three hours to tell a story that could have been told in 45 minutes, I grant you that, but um... I'm loving it. I, I, I'm more interested to see how you, as a non-Nicholas Winden and fan, as someone who tolerates and has occasionally found some level of ground to, to, to have enjoyment of his work, falls down on this. Because it sounds like you're digging it as well.
1: Yeah, I really am. In a weird way, I think maybe I prefer uh, his aesthetic in a TV form. Mm. Even though these are essentially small feature length films yes uh both of these you know are 90 minutes ish yeah but i do like the fact that we're building to uh something one one presumes here like a a (laughs) conflict between jesus and um what's it martin yes Uh, hey jesus (laughs) boy you're you're really in some shit (laughs) Uh, But I I like the fact that the second episode was so different from the first and and that it really did follow these characters so that I feel like I know kind of both who Martin is and who Jesus is. And I got to be honest, I mean,
2: I think Jesus is the more interesting and likable character. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he comes from a, a product of at least we can... Like, see, we don't understand fully, right... Martin's involvement and what went down with the death of Magdalena, right? We don't fully understand or know that yet. All we know is that Jesus killed the cop that he is convinced was responsible for the death of his mother. So, his is more vengeance. Like, Martin, at the moment, it seems like his one was more business. So, you know, th- th- there's two different kind of stepping off points here that weirdly this was pivoting that the criminal might be the more just of the two. Um, which I like. I love that idea. And once again, in the classic noir environment of storytelling, Bad guys are not always bad. You know, I mean, their motivations can lean towards the just, where like authority is almost always portrayed as corrupt. Um, so yeah, um, you know, I, I am with you on that one. Of the first two episodes, I, I, you do feel yourself gravitating towards Jesus. Um, but we'll see in time how that's gonna work out. Cause there is one thing we know 100% from the very, very early teasings of the show when I read the synopsis. A, what about four or five months ago? Is that there is another element going to make its way? It's certainly not appeared yet in what I've seen, but we're also going to get some some. Uh, I believe it's Yakuza, so we're going to get another another group of another organisation of criminal intent that's going to join us somewhere down the line so it'll be interesting to see when all those forces play it, where we're going to lie with that but yeah at the moment the format really is pick a protagonist of sort or a main character and spend the time with them um, and it's a format that when the ref seems happy with and it's a format that I'm really keen to see where it goes I mean we are now as it stands just now you know, uh, more than a quarter of the way through the full runtime in the first two episodes, so things will quieten down a little bit in terms of pacing uh, and length of episode. But yeah, we've got a whole hell of a lot of story to get through.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, I, I do like a lot of these characters. I think this High Priestess of Death character is just one of the coolest things that I've ever oh, yeah. seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't wait to see. Like, I want to see Yariza in LA and just laying fucking waste. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those characters. Like, I, there's a bit of Omar from uh, the uh, the the Shield. No, oh, um, and,
2: and no, from the Wire. The Wire. Yeah. yeah, there's
1: a bit of of Omar with her of just like, oh, she's just this loose canon character that you don't know necessarily what they're gonna do next, but you know it's gonna be awesome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. Uh, it, or maybe more appropriately, it's that moment from The Simpsons where. Uh, Homer is watching the fight between like the Yakuza and the ninjas (laughs) where he's like, but March, there's that little guy and he hasn't done anything yet. And you know, when he does, it's going to be awesome. She's like, no, no, come on inside, Homer. (laughs) It's that where it's like, she's about to do something. And when it happens, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very excited. No, I, I think it's very cool. I think obviously there is uh the, the baked into me recommending the first couple of episodes is yes it is going to be leisurely paced at best it's going to be beautiful yeah. so like pour yourself a drink just kick back on the sofa and kind of let it wash over you and it, and it's pretty remarkable um plus as someone who does take a lot of notes when i watch these things it's kind of nice because i don't have like i can just stop taking notes for a few minutes yeah. And just watch the scene because ain't nothing really happening that I have to take notes on. Mm-hmm. I can just kind of enjoy it, the aesthetics of it. So, uh that that's nice that, you know, as I guess a viewer who is also doing other stuff while I'm viewing, Refn, uh is kind enough to build in enough leisure time. Yeah in his films and, yeah, and television just, shows.
2: Everything he does, yeah, he likes to he likes to build up to a point. <laughs> like, yeah. And that build up can be slow. Uh yeah, it's a technique that you're you're either with or it frustrates you. Um there's no middle ground when it comes to reference. and you either you either roll with it or you don't. Um so and I definitely I, I, yeah, I was going to say at the moment I'm 100 percent rolling with
1: it. Yeah, I I agree, and I I definitely think that if you're not into this show, um, as far as viewing the episodes themselves, by the end of episode two, eh, it may not be the show for you. I would uh, agree, but regardless of whether or not you're watching, uh, too long to watch now. <laughs> You don't have to be watching the show to enjoy this show, because uh, we're going to tell you all about it. And if you don't really uh, want to watch uh, uh, Nicholas Winning Riffin' 13-hour opus, uh, then you can just hear us tell you what happened, in it? And yeah. you can just fast-forward to all the stuff with Yoritza. Um, but, Duncan. Yes. Uh, before we, we call her a day here, what we like to do on uh, this show... Is first of all, uh, tell people where they can find you and what you might, in fact, be looking forward to seeing uh, in the the coming week.
2: Oh, right. And so you can check me out on Podcast Under the Stairs. It's tputscast.com or just type in Podcast Under the Stairs into your whatever your uh, podcast listener device of choice is and it'll pop up there. It will always pop up there. Uh, in terms of what I'm looking forward to checking out, and um, at the date of this recording, uh, the new season of Stranger Things has dropped, uh, which I am very much excited about. And I have uh, I've just seen Midsummer today, so um, I'll be doing a review of that over the weekend. And Duncan's hot take is go and see that movie.
1: Yeah,
2: and we'll, <laughs> we'll probably discuss that
1: on the front end of the next episode.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be good just to cover a bit of that at the at the front episode because there's one that I know um, you're looking forward to checking out, and there's one that I'm actually really looking forward to getting your opinion on. So, uh,
1: my opinion is it's a movie. <laughs>
2: That's a good opinion.
1: Good opinion. Um. And hey, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you want to hear uh, more out of me, and God, why would you after that joke? Um, you can head over to legionpodcasts.com uh, or uh, notably, uh, where um, you can see the Pick Six Movie Show. Which you can find both places. Uh, but uh, if you only want to watch the Pick Six Movie stuff, I don't. Well, never mind. Pick Six Movies. <laughs> I got lost in all that. Uh, uh, You should listen to because it's pretty funny, and we are on our seventh season now, doing movies based on video games, and those are terrible. Dunkin <laughs> but but hilariously so i would argue um you can find a bunch of other shows not just for me over on LegionPodcasts.com. and uh, and we're also uh starting uh, come some kind of special episodes that only exist on the legion podcasts feed um <laughs> anyway and I, as far as movies i i'm about to see midsummer as well but but with this being uh we're recording uh, this on the fourth of july um, or part of it on the 4th of July spoilers, uh, yeah. a little peek behind the curtain, but, uh, to celebrate the day, not only do I have delicious meats to, to grill, um, mm-hmm. I'm celebrating with a, a 4th of July of the dead where I'm watching, that. uh, as many of the dead movies as I can before I pass out from steak sweat nice nice Uh, so i plan certainly to get through the original trilogy and i would kind of like to get through diary diary's worth it yeah diary's all right and then i can stop because survival
2: ain't worth it (laughs) land's okay as well land's not amazing but
1: yeah yeah but land at least feels consistent Mm -hmm. and i feel like survival at a certain point is just like i i don't even know what we're doing anymore yeah I don't, uh, there used to be a metaphor, and now I don't know what that metaphor is other than <laughs> that these movies will not stop returning to my screen. That's a metaphor. Yeah. And then, of course, capping it all off with a uh, Fourth of July screening of uh, Jaws on the big screen.
2: Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's a, it's a good time there for Bo Ransdell.
1: Yes, it certainly is. And we thank you, listeners, for having a good time with us. Uh, we will be back in uh, one week's time to talk about more Too Old to Die Young on this, Bo and Duncan are too old to die young a we tiny are. little division of Duncan and Bo come correct we'll <laughs> lay like yeah. alright, say goodnight Duncan goodnight Duncan